Judah and Matthew are dumpster people, and they occasionally use foul and inappropriate language. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Brother Date Star Tracks Edition. I'm Matthew. I'm Judah. I like beer. Uh, you and yes. Uh, what is his I name? I don't. I, it's well, squeeze I, friend. I know the name. <laughs> I just <laughs> I know the name of the main guy. <laughs> I refer to him as Squeeze Friend. I don't really know Squeeze Friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know his name. Uh, <laughs> it's week one sixteen of the Star Trek project. The project that. May literally never end. It just goes and goes. And We've only got sixty more after this. I don't, I'm not We're sure. almost two thirds of the way through. Well, that's so far away. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say for sure that that could be the right answer. I don't know. I think this one's still and up only, in the air. <laughs> only uh, forty-seven of them are Voyagers. Uh, I've named the notes this week. He'll never love again. Part two. Yeah. Uh. Doesn't matter what I named the uh, Zoom okay. meeting. Let's let's jump right in. Last place last week was Voyager. Sure. This week we watched Relativity. Voyager. <clears throat> we open on Utopia Planitia shipyards. Now it's got all the. It's got the Akira class. Yeah. I'm going to cut you off right here and tell you that the anxiety I felt before you started, that maybe it had secretly been my time to describe (laughs) Oh, because I took a beat? (laughs) Yeah, you you gave yourself a little beat there. No, it's because I was was trying to drink as much beer as I possibly could because I think it'll help. (laughs) I think it's going to help. I hope so. (laughs) Um, Yeah, there's an Akira class, and I thought an ambassador, which didn't make a lot of sense, but whatever. Don't worry about that. It's whatever models they had. That's right. Um, Janeway reports for duty. She's she's coming on Voyager for the first time. This is the past or whatever. Uh, with her old professor and now Admiral something. They probably said I'm not it. sure his name gets said. I, yeah, I, I didn't catch it. She gets her first, first look at the bridge. She asks the Admiral to help her spring TP because she needs a good pilot for this dang Badlands mission to, I don't know. Save Tuvok or catch Chakotay. I don't know what the hell they were doing. You know, the first yeah. one. Anyways. They, they were gunning for Chakotay. Yeah. Seven of Nine is there, blending in in a blue uniform and no cool eye robotics. So, uh, is either the holodeck or time travel. But the sinister music certainly suggests time travel. Credits. I actually, I had like a hint of memory of this episode because I... They leaned over to Marjan and said, uh, is this going to be, 7-9 just going to be milling around in here? Just as one of the crew. And then she revealed herself. Uh, 7 tells somebody that the, the bridge is clear and there's no sign of the weapon. She's got some secret comms. 
after Janeway is introduced to the EMH, who I was guessing would be involved in this episode in some way, otherwise why bother with this scene? <clears throat> yep. Lieutenant Carey makes a pass at Seven in engineering. You remember that guy. I, by the way, I think in season five, all of the main cast have uh, Quark's Little League claws. <laughs> you think they've they've worked that into their contracts? And that's why the Doctor I got do. to be in this? Yes. Uh, Seven does indeed find the weapon that they have been talking about in some, uh, I don't know, EPS juncture or something, Jeffrey's tube. Not the thing that looks like a huge bomb, apparently. No, later on we find out that is just the thing that's supposed to be there. That's what's supposed to be in there. I, too, confusing. was confused and like, there's no weapon here. And I went, oh, what was I looking at then? <laughs> if I had been on that mission, I would have gone, wait, what? Oh, I thought this was the weapon. I've been looking for the wrong thing. I've told this guy, I've been, I've traveled 15 times. Honestly, it could have been I'm, there every time I wasn't paying attention. I'm, I'm deader than Darian Lambert. <laughs> Uh, uh, Janeway goes to take a look uh, herself because they got the EPS juncture went down or something. So she's gonna she's like Lieutenant Carey. I don't trust you to fucking do anything. I'm gonna go look at this. Um, seven um, seven tells whoever's on the other end of this communication that she has been sent to the wrong time frame and the weapon's out of phase, so she can't remove it or anything. Uh. Janeway finds the door locked and detects mad chronotons, so she knows some shit is up. Seven's pulled out before being nabbed, and she collapses on the transporter pad of this uh, this temporal ship, and she's dead. Yeah. But this temporal captain, fr- uh, from that other episode with evil Bill Gates... Um, Played by a different guy, but yes. Yeah, he says to recruit Seven again despite the risks to her person of doing a four, I think he says a fourth jump. Yep. Uh, He says, go get her before the big explosion. So I'm guessing this weapon sits around for a long time and then eventually blows Voyager up. In the present. The present, season five of Voyager. Uh, Seven complains about how shitty she feels, says she has MS, she's dying, and that's that. But Shmullis says she's got sensory aphasia or whatever. After TP recruits her for a ping pong match against Bellana and Harry, Janeway comes into sick bay and complains about uh, space sickness, and she's the third person to complain that day. At the big match, the ping pong ball stops in midair. Frozen in time, son! Yeah. No one likes this when it happens. No, everyone's pretty shitty about it. Like anyone meant to do it. Neelix still does decide to award the point, though, when it resumes. <laughs> uh, space time? That's being a fractured. A better show would have cut that scene. That's all I'm saying. It's not a good scene. <laughs> space time is being fractured throughout the ship. We see some scenes of things happening all out of order, like time has been twisted or something. Bellana, or it's a uh, future echo? No, white hole. Yeah, white hole. Future echoes is different. Yeah. That's the one where he sees himself, cut himself shaving in the mirror or whatever. Um. Anyway, Bellana and Seven find that same Jeffrey's tube where the weapon's located. Uh, Janeway sees the readouts, and she recognizes, recognizes those from her dry dock incident with Seven years before. Um, 
So she knows something is up. Anyway, uh, shit gets very bad, and the order to abandon ship is given. And um, right before the ship blows up, Seven is kidnapped by the, the time guy. Captain I was on B5 says his name is Braxton, which, again, if you were paying attention to the other episode, you'd know, but I don't know how they expected you to know that back then. He explains about the weapon and even tells her up front that they've recruited her multiple times already, and they also tell her about all the possible side effects of being stolen from time so very much. (laughs) So I guess they're not trying to pull one over on her. This time they send her to the time period they believe the saboteur operated... Uh, during uh, that's not a sentence the good old Kazon times uh, you know Majkala and Maj Bala probably I think probably uh, Braxton does now give Seven his whole bio since she wasn't on Voyager back in the, the Microsoft days the days of evil Microsoft right Seven appears on Voyager during a Kazon attack in this time period, Janeway recognizes the temporal flux again. Seven discovers the weapon has not been placed yet. Uh, Janeway freaks out about this um, this temporal flux, this chronoton flux, whatever she calls it, and uh, she seals off deck four. And the force fields block Seven's transmissions with Braxton. I didn't know they could do that, but they're doing that. And then Seven is captured. Or trapped behind the force field. I mean, notably, they can hear her. She just can't hear them. Right. It's a real weird way for it to go down. Yes. <laughs> Janeway remembers her, too, from the dry dock. And they have a big scene where Seven has to earn her trust in a big hurry. Uh, she succeeds, and then they work together to find the intruder who has just slipped aboard. Anyway, they end up finding uh, Captain Braxton. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. He says Voyager ruined his dang life. They made it so he could. Girls didn't want to date him anymore. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what his specific complaint was. The Braxton on board the ship, Relativity. I should. I guess maybe I should have said that's why that's the name of the episode. I guess that's the one that Seven has already been on. Um. Uh. That one is like, what? Well, I, I. What do you mean? Uh, I'm a good guy. I ain't do nothing. But he's relieved of duty by Lieutenant What's-His-Name. And um, then Seven has to chase Braxton through time. They go back to the old shipyards days, and both Seven and Braxton are kind of staggering around like a couple of dummies because of all the time travel, but they have a running firefight past Janeway and Admiral Tired Old Beaver. That's what he looks like. (laughs) Braxton runs one more time, and Seven follows him to the night of the big ping-pong match, of course. Couldn't be any other random night. No, I mean, not once they rented the ping pong table. Seven collapses in front of present day seven. I mean, I guess she's kind of present day seven. Seven from a few hours ago, maybe. This isn't a real O'Brien situation at this point. (laughs) Uh, She asks... uh, Except that show had the balls to leave him dead. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. They didn't just... uh, recombine him or whatever they say later um she asks seven to stop braxton they do nab him and they're all beamed back to relativity janeway included and lieutenant should have been played by michael Sarah. explains to janeway that they need her to go back and clean up 
some time whoopsies by capturing Braxton. For reasons. Yep. Anyway, Jamie goes back to the time of the Kazon attack again and captures Braxton super easy because uh, he, like, stumbles when the ship gets all shook around and drops his, drops his shit. Anyway, it's really embarrassing for that guy to get caught that way. Yeah, she puts a phaser in his face and he's not like, well, I totally ate five or six of those phaser blasts during the last chase because, like everything in Star Trek, phasers do exactly what the script says they should do. <laughs> yep. For sure, he looked like he'd been possessed in power play, the way he was shaking those things off. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, Janeway gets an attaboy from Lieutenant should have been played by Rowan Atkinson, and we're out of this confusing mess. Yeah, man. Uh, this is the part where you're going to ask me what it's about, huh? <laughs> I mean, I'm a little bit nervous about it, because... I mean, what could it possibly have been about? But sure, what was this episode about? Yeah, um... I think if there's anything in this episode at all, it's that you can't tell someone not to trust their mom. It just doesn't work. Yeah. Your mom's like, kind of a like, bee. Stay away from Janeway. I fucking, I fucking hate Janeway. That's not, it's not she's shitty Irish. That's not the point. But, <laughs> but just, just trust me on this one. Just stay away. Just from stay her. away from her. And then Janeway's like, uh, nah, I'm just going to tell her what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and if that sounds uninspired, A, don't worry, I gave it one point. Cool. And B, uh, yeah, this is just another all-plot special from fucking Brandon Braga. Doesn't care about telling a story about anything. Did you go into Memory Alpha and see a quote from him where he was like, this was our least, this episode said <laughs> the least of all, and that made me very happy. There wasn't anything as damning as that. It was mostly about... Uh, Braxton got recast. <laughs> By the way, I love it very Jack much. Harry's back. I love it very much that the exact same thing happened to this guy on Babylon 5. Or a very similar thing. This was the guy on Babylon 5 who they hired because he was the same name as the other guy they wanted to hire. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> they wanted to hire another different guy who may have even been on the show previously. And then, like, this guy showed up and they were like, oh, who the fuck's this guy? And they're like, oh, he's got the same name. Someone did a fuck up. And then they're just like, you're in the show. Well, the thing that I read about this guy, uh, he plays Major Ryan on Babylon yes, 5. Yes, Major Ryan. He's, he's one of the, one of the from the episode two weeks ago. Those guys. Yeah, is that he got his spot on B5 because the guy who plays General Haig was booked that week filming Deep Space Nine where he plays Admiral Layton. <laughs> Maybe that's what happened. Maybe that's what I'm so remembering. So it was supposed to be General Haig in that part, and instead they got this guy, and he's got a line like, they're like, I was expecting General Haig, or where's General Haig? Like, yeah, like, he's, he's busy. He's busy. He's yeah. busy on Deep Space And apparently no, there is an uh, outtake where he says he's busy filming Deep Space Nine. <laughs> Well, I think that I think there is still more to that. I do remember that I think that guy was the guy who was hired because they meant to hire another guy, and I think they meant to hire I, that other guy to replace Haig. They meant to hire the other guy possible. to to be there that week because Haig wasn't available, and then there's still a different guy showed up, and they went, "Ah, oh, which is too embarrassing. We should just let him be in the show." That's fine. He's fine as Major Ryan, and he's fine as Second Braxton, mm-hmm. mostly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what did you think it was about? Uh, trust reaches beyond time, time. <laughs> or some something about something about trust themes of trust 
one point. It is themes of trust. I yeah. gave it one point for themes of trust. Yeah, she... In the scene where they, she's got to get Janeway to believe her real quick, she's like, you you told me, when, you will tell me when you free me from the Borgs, that uh, is all about trust. And then, you know, once again, what happened? <laughs> Sorry. It's right again. Baby Grand just starts playing in the background. <laughs> and um And I said, Oh, this is this must be what the episode's about. And I was and I and I racked my brain for like half an hour and I was like, I don't know what else to say about it though. Yeah, it's uh in both I mean, we're sort of we sort of both hit that same point. <laughs> oh uh, god, how about trust? <laughs> Execution. Uh, this was just supposed to be a fun time romp where you can see characters interact with each other in different time frames. And sometimes there are two of a person in the same room. It's going to be such a delightful, laughing, fun romp. I'm not going to be mean about it because it was fine for Voyager. I wasn't offended by the episode. It just wasn't about anything and didn't say anything. Seven's able to get Janeway to trust her in that one scene. That takes 90 seconds. That's it. Nothing else happened except for answering a question that nobody asked. What happened to Braxton? <laughs> I Because he was recast, I kind of forgot who he even was. Other than his Babylon 5 appearances, which I instantly went, Ah, oh, it's the guy from Babylon 5. Yeah. I could not have given fewer shits about Braxton. He was... He is a character that we meet... Has a weird old homeless guy in mm-hmm. San Diego or wherever they are. Stuff like in L.A. or San Diego. I think it's. I think it's. Well, he's like in the mountains or something, but they're in L.A. in that episode. Right. Uh, but they meet him and he's like, "I've been here thirty years." And then and later, this guy made Microsoft because of my technology. Young guy shows up on the shuttle at the end and he's like, "I never lived that life." <laughs> and you go, "Good, I don't Why? care. Why should I care? Apparently I just had to sit did. there with two parter." With fucking Joey Gladstone outfits and fucking Tupac as Tupac as Tupac. And, and Ed Begley Jr. And Ed Begley Jr. A lot of Ed Begley Jr. As evil Bill Gates. And I don't want to do anymore. So, great. <laughs> I'm glad you showed up. And now can we end this? So, yeah. I don't know why anyone would have cared about that guy. But he's back. Also, some scenes that didn't have to do with the episode. And that they just kind of wanted to throw in. Like the Schmullis scene. Where they're like, this is your EMH. And then he pops up, and um, he's kind of sassy, and then they turn him off, and he looks mildly annoyed already. And yep. then I was like, the whole time I was like, so is Shmullis going to play into this? Why did we have that scene? Or the scene where she wants to spring TP. Yeah. Was literally the point of that just that the Admiral starts to say what his crimes were because no one really knows yet in the whole show. <laughs> and then she goes, ah, look, everybody's uh, got a past, you know, <laughs> don't worry about it. Like, cause that literally, you know, why rule, that... everybody gets one. <laughs> I just don't Other know. That that... For Picard. Was that scene literally in there so they could have a scene where you don't get to know what he did? Yeah. That's a good question. Was that like, um, the way, I don't know. Was the, the, analog would be here you'd get never get to see norm's wife on cheers or whatever ah yeah or is that a thing one of those kinds of things i think i think it's true yeah it's probably one of those so like i yeah i just it was like you never get to see wilson's face on home improvement yeah that kind of gag 
Was that it? Because that's nothing. Or that he's furiously cranking it on the other side of the fence. <laughs> Almost certainly. What a little creeper that guy is. Always just peering over there. Oh, I see the little kid with the rat tails out here again. <laughs> anyway. Imagine yanking on that. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to prison for the thing that you I said. I deserve it. Anyway, it was entertaining enough as a fun time romp or whatever. It didn't offend me in any particular way, but it was the absence of of thought. It's like there isn't anything in there. It's like, um, I don't know, has anybody ever had less to say on a music album than Pot USA on all of their music albums? It's a good, it's a good question from someone who has been making playlists just of all the track sixes and all the track sevens. So you listened to the the, the see Pot USA Jupiter records. come up and go. <laughs> it's, it's not one of their best. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, I don't not, think so. I was not going to make the short list. I don't think. I got I've got Mach Five and Lump. I'm not really taking anything else. <laughs> it's not even Death Star. Um. Yeah. Anyway, I gave it a four. I graded it on a curve, and I said it was fine. Well, I wonder if I'm going to talk you. Up. Oh boy. Okay, here we go. Um so number one, I can't really explain why this one didn't irritate me that yeah, much. Yeah, I was the same way. I was like, well, this is nothing, but I you know, it's fine. I was initially very, very irritated when I thought it was flashbacks. Oh sure. Then it turned out to be time travel. I think it's because every loop like they're not they're not doing this is not uh 30 days. They're not doing the same scene again and fucking it up somehow. Right. Every loop Janeway knows a little more about what's going on. Okay. Like someone spent even a minute thinking about okay, but now they're in a now they've changed history so that Janeway has seen 7 of 9 before. Yes. Now they've changed history so that uh Janeway remembers the chronoton thing during the Kazon attack. Now yeah. they've, you know, do you know what I mean? Like they kept sort of every time you went back to a scene that was similar to something you'd seen before, it had changed a little. Like they spent just even one minute thinking about it, and that is so different from every other Star Trek time travel show. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. That's not it's not something they even really attempt to do well. No. They just go, I don't know, and then they went back there and then they fixed everything, so now everything's fixed. And someone goes, But what about time paradoxes? And they go, I don't know what that is. Yeah. I don't know. Um, it's not a perfect episode for sure. They spent too much time on hijinks mm-hmm. and the pivotal scene where seven convinces Janeway to help her is pretty short yep. as a result. Could have put more time there. Yeah. They could have like, um, taken her to a cell or something. Uh huh. Maybe Janeway has to take some time to think about it. And she comes back and asks, asks a pointed question to seven and seven gives another good, an- you know, something, something where there's some work. And she- Something Janeway would like to believe that she's the kind of person who would rescue a Borg and yeah. teach her how to be human or something like. Why does maybe Janeway Seven gives her this? some info that really makes her think that it's real? Like maybe they talk about Leonardo da Vinci or something. Remember how they spent a right. whole season in Leonardo da Vinci's dumb fucking or, workshop? Last week you had me looking up your ancestor Shannon O'Donnell. Yeah, something. Last week where I'm from. You yes, know what I mean? In my last, in my la- two weeks ago in my time. Um, you had me work, go to ancestry.com, uh, TM, and, uh, we had to 
build your family tree tm and um they got all the they got everything trademarked even just regular trees i think are trademarked by ancestry.com um what else the device of too many jumps will give you temporal psychosis worked better on time tracks yeah i already suggested that yeah. uh i couldn't tell the first three times what part of that conduit was supposed to be the bomb <laughs> so when she looks in and says the weapon is not yet present i said i guess <laughs> again i was the same i went oh, i thought the big bulbous thing was the weapon i guess that's where it, the EPSs it, happen I'm not Yurg, but it's probably a reuse of the ounce of antimatter that Spock and Kirk <laughs> carefully, carefully take down to that planet one time. It could be. Um, they also didn't do a good enough job of setting up that Duquesne had suspicions about Braxton. Oh, is his name Duquesne? Like, I'm sorry, I didn't. That's such yeah. a preposterous name, I should have remembered that. <laughs> oh, was it, it Devereaux, or was it uh, Lafayette, or what was his first name? Is he from Murder, She Wrote? You know, they did not give a first name, but it does. It is very murder she wrote huh? Yep. Um, like, there's a hint of something that he doesn't agree with uh, going back to Pulse 7 again. Like, I mean, it's... I told you it would kill her if you beamed her up this time, and now you want to do it again? Like, yeah. there's a hint that he thinks that that guy's maybe a little reckless. Yeah, but and then also... the guy just says Tempest Fugit at him, and then the guy's like, oh, that doesn't... <laughs> Uh, yeah, I guess. What? I gotta... Guys, what does that mean? I guess I gotta pretend like that settles the argument now, because this guy's a captain, and for some reason his second-in-command is a lieutenant. I think he just said time fight, and I don't... I guess we're doing a time fight? I don't know what that means. Um, um, yeah, no, they, not only that, the guy's yeah. like... Not only that, the guy's like... Just like you trust Janeway, I, I trust... Braxton's instincts. Oh, yeah. I'd trust my trust him with my life. And then Braxton shows up on the other time, and he's like, "You're under fucking arrest, you piece of shit." <laughs> this fucking, I fucking knew. it's like they they don't go into it, but one of two things has happened there: <laughs> either he's very suspicious, or this happens a lot <laughs> in the on Federation time ships. He's like, "Oh, this again." It, it probably, honestly, I would believe it. He's like, yeah, you know what? Like 90% of the time, it's like a, a future alternate version of one of us. Honestly, we're, <laughs> we're always just ourselves. cleaning up after ourselves on this one. I've gotten really good at not telegraphing punches against myself somehow. So. <laughs> I've caught myself um, five or six times. I just never tell Braxton. He'd arrest me. There's also no need to have recast Braxton. Sure. Like, he has a backstory about Janeway, but at the point where we meet him, he's mildly irritated about Janeway. Yeah. The... When we, then when we see him setting the weapon, he's like, I lost my job, and I... And I, <laughs> all the, I had to go to jail because of you. My family doesn't and, talk to me anymore. And it's like, all that happened because he was discovered doing the weapon. It didn't have anything to do with any of the Janeway stuff from before. It's all time paradox stuff. Yeah. And so at that point, you don't need it to be Braxton. Yeah. Agreed. That's it right. Can be it doesn't have to do with his backstory. No opinion at all of Janeway. Yeah. And he's just and it's just like uh it turns out that we caught him planning the weapon and arrested him and it made him so mad that he decided to go back and plant the weapon. <laughs> also, he's got temporal psychosis. Which is the only he's thing a little that- the only thing that explained the stupidity of uh, we caught him uh, planting the weapon and he got so mad he wanted to go back and plant the weapon. Yeah. 
Because <laughs> you'd think he'd uh, come up with a different plan at that point. We established in the cold open that he's a little rough and ready with uh, beaming through time. He doesn't care if people die or get temporal psychosis, and it turns out he's got it. Yeah, sure. So it didn't need to be him at all. And then we don't have to think, oh, that's not the same guy. Yeah, I did. I, good thing. I didn't think that again, because I did not remember Braxton the first time. I was just like, oh, yeah, he was in that other episode, but like, barely. So, mainly for a little tiny bit of thoughtfulness about time travel, I gave it a five. Okay. I'm still on four. Okay. Because all that stuff you said about uh, about it not having to be Braxton, I was like, (laughs) yeah, that's a fucking good point. Um, Yeah, it was a little bit of an unforced error. World building. A couple of things. Space sickness is real. Yeah. And appears to just be motion sickness. Yeah, shouldn't they just, like, um, increase their view? Like the... the oh, yeah, the should increase their FOV. Yeah, yeah your exactly. field of view, and then just sit back from whatever you're looking at. I don't understand. Yeah. It's not that Always awesome. pick the the far bumper cam, for sure. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Uh, or if in Skyrim terms, play it in third-person mode. Yeah, I could never do that. Oh, you're first, your first-person guy? Oh, yeah, I have, I have first-person... AFPS, S, I guess, is slash or smash in this case. I guess I shoot, I shoot arrows. But yeah, um, I've never had the motion sickness problem in any game except for, except for that pirate Pirates. game. Yeah. Um, yeah, so space sickness, temporal psychosis, uh, his story about rehabilitation the guy says incursion factors and so on Hmm. this is mainly a romp and it's not interested in much but has it already been established that seven doesn't see normal Hmm. that she's got halfway to geordie vision she's probably said shit like my visual acuity and i can pick up these things i don't know if they've given us a seven's eye view cam before so we could see what it looks like I think that's new, and that's what makes it a two instead of a one for me. I agreed it's a two. Uh, Voyager's 700,000 metric tons and 15 decks. I bet Tom Paris got that in the shuttle on the way over to Voyager in the first episode, but I cannot remember. Oh, could be. <laughs> um, Seven thinks she has Madeline Albright syndrome. I don't know yeah. what that's about. Uh, yeah, lots of temporal whoopsies, you get the psychosis, uh, plenty of future tech. Again, those level 10 force fields apparently disrupt comms one way. Yeah, that wasn't good. Yeah, I had it as a two. I've been trying to remind myself that two out of ten is a very bad score, and I should be okay with giving it. I don't always have to give a one or a zero. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the reason that the standard is three is because this show is anti-continuity and not interested in world building. Yes. Not because three is good. Right. Um, Schmollis was already annoyed about being turned off and on at will before they ever even left the fucking shipyards. But no one gave a yep. fuck. Again, Admiral... Uh, well, they still don't care. Admiral you said... You would still turn him off. No, I mean, that wasn't that many episodes ago where she compared him to fucking microwave or whatever. Um, um, even uh, Admiral, what I call him, sad, tired beaver, whatever, even he was just like, thanks, doctor, eat shit, and just turned him off and left. <laughs> it's like, bro, we don't even know who you are. 
maybe that dude's met Zimmerman, so he started. Oh, he already hated know, this guy. Started out with an attitude about it. Yeah. Uh, Seven has no social instincts of any kind, but she's like the only one who can do this mission, I'm guessing, because of her Borg. Her Borgness. She can see the bomb or whatever. The, the perpetrator. Anyway, she's the kind of person who goes on WebMD. Uh, <laughs> she should know better. It's very dumb. She convinces Janeway to trust her in their weird first meeting during the Kazon attacks. Janeway's willing to listen to Seven because Seven tells her something she, that Janeway supposedly said to her once. Well, that's enough for her. What if she was like, when you take me from the Borg, you'll tell me that I get 50% more self-improvement credits per week than the rest of the crew because uh, you thought I needed to catch up on improving myself. I'm saying she could have time-scammed her and Janeway would have gone for it because she's vain. Yeah, she could have. She could have. I mean, and the other people are little leaking it, as you said in this episode. Um, so it's just a four for me. I am, again, I'm one point higher here. I'm as much as a five. Okay. Uh, little stuff. I guess we learned that Carrie was a flirt. Yeah, I don't. Did he ever make a pass at Bolana? Is that one of the reasons she hit him? I don't think I don't so. I think he was kind of remember. a condescending dick. Yeah. Um, does Braxton ha- count? Because if so, he turns out to be unhinged. Oh, I guess that's true. I didn't really count Braxton, but yeah, he, he counts. Um, But I mean, the first time we met him, he was like a crazy old guy anyway, so. Yeah. Uh, Seven turns some of Janeway's words back on her, but also clearly does trust her, at least when her back's against the wall. Mm-hmm. And here we see we see some of a Janeway untouched by the Delta Quadrant troubles where she believes in second chances and hmm. is willing to take some pretty big risks because someone came in and said some stuff that Janeway would like to believe sounds like her. <laughs> That's exactly correct. Um, you said this thing to me and it's, it's a pretty cool thing to say. And Janeway's yeah. like, yeah, I mean, it would be pretty cool if I said that. Uh, characterization isn't the focus of this episode, but it also was not in any way a distraction. Sure. Everyone was sort of playing the established character at this point. But I do have a question. Okay. Why are Tom and Bologna on different ping pong teams? Yeah. This is the kind of thing they really enjoy. I don't really get it. I don't want to get into whatever psychosexual shit's going on. I mean, that's those two. I did title the episode. It is the <laughs> ping pong rivalry sexual. Yeah, I think it might be. I think it's a. Uh, they're going to be real mad at each other after the ping pong match about some supposed cheating Tom Paris did with time. And then it's going to turn into one of them TV uh, fight sexes. You know, on TV when people are fighting and then they're sexing. No, I do know. It's not. I do know. They just don't. I don't really. Uh, also, do you think it's part of their weird sexual energy that she has partnered off with Harry Kim and he has partnered off with Seven of Nine? Well, him partnering with Seven of Nine. As far as we know, the only person on the ship that Bolana truly hates. Yes, just there's a real hatred there. And yes, that is exactly why like, he picked her. 
She can snap at anybody. She's got a temper. That's There have been 15 episodes about mm-hmm. her temper. It's well established, but she hates Seven of Nine. So. She probably only doesn't attack Seven of Nine because she's not sure she could take her. Yes. <laughs> she's so tall. She's, got she's bo- very tall. She's tall and Nordic, and she's got Borg stuff going on. She's got nanoprobes. Yeah. yeah and, you, not... and they can do almost anything, and it's mm. irritating. She could just turn Balana into like a into a goat or something. She's probably like the nanoprobes turned her into a goat. Ah, yeah, 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 goat mode. Um, yeah, no, and I bet Balana's always saying stuff to Tom, like, I like Harry, he's nice, and stuff like that. And um, <laughs> it's just Tom Paris has got to think about that every once in a while. So yeah, I think there's something happening there. I didn't like seeing it. I, like you said, that, that scene should not have been in there at all, but it was in it twice. Because of course they had to run right into the ping pong match later on. By the way, that it's even in the show, it feels like a pretense. He's like, hey, there's ping pong going on. And the doctor told me that your visual acuity index is 0.925. So uh, as far as I'm aware, that's the only thing you need to be good at ping pong. (laughs) Well, even he knows there's more because he has to invite her early for practice because he's like, she don't know what ping pong is. She'll probably, I don't know, try to eat the ball or something. You never know what these borgs is going to do. It looks like a little egg now that I think about it. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so it was a five for you for characterization. That was a five for okay. me. Got some quick ones. Go for it. Just a few. Uh, first, I wrote cool, a flashback or whatever, goddamn Voyager. <laughs> then in the flashback, Janeway goes and gets a cup of coffee. And I guess it must be safe to put your hands basically inside the replicator while it makes your coffee. Because she leans into it. Yeah, she doesn't wait for it to be done going... Whoa, 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 whoa. It's just in and there. also, there aren't any caution signs or anything. So I guess you could just stick your hands in okay. there or whatever. Doesn't, sure. Doesn't but replicate is, off your fingers or anything. This is also the universe where there were no caution signs around that extremely dangerous lift in engineering. That will oh, just chop your fingers geez. right off. Yeah, fingers, if you're fucking lucky, you could yeah. lose your head. You could lose anything if you're just not standing exactly straight up. And I didn't see one fucking caution sign. I didn't even well, see a sign that said... Extreme caution is warranted, which is what no. Worf would read. This is what he would read. It's the kind of thing that he would say because he needed something to say when he beamed down. Uh, at least Jerry Ryan gets to wear a regular uniform for a while, even yeah. if it does look like they kind of cinched it in at the waist for her. <laughs> um, form and function, form and function. Still four inch heels on her boots, though. That was Braxton this time. Oh, yeah, that's right. He he did pick that outfit for her. Yeah. Uh, it's a free jack. They're doing a free jack. <laughs> they bone, <laughs> they jack bone jack her? They bone jacked her. When they, when he, and in fact, when he said, we'll pull her out 10 milliseconds before the explosion, yes. I'm like, and you said her race car's going to crash? He's bone jacking her. <laughs> Is her race car going to fucking crash? The, the front tire of her car is going to ride up on the back tire of the car in front of her, and she's going to go <laughs> flying up into a pedestrian over overpath bridge overpass and then they're gonna but they're gonna he's not gonna be in the car anymore because no, he's bone jacked. bone jacked exactly then he's gonna get free and then he's gonna be a free jack and fucking mick jagger's gonna be there i mean that would have been cool what if duquesne had been played by mick, mick jagger? jagger yes 100 percent. that is a wonderful casting what if did they reach out to him i hope they did. i don't know do if your they due did. diligence you don't know what he's up to he might have been available uh, i mean they just got jason alexander in, right. during seinfeld that's right. How much more expensive could Mick Jagger yeah, have go been for to it. play the role of Duquesne? That would have been the most... That would have been 100 points. 
100 points out of 40 if they hired Mick Jagger I mean, for this. Think how many points we awarded just for Scott Thompson <laughs> as the fucking nasty, this, nasty the, ambassador. Literally, I think we both said several times it was the only good thing about that episode. <laughs> yes. He earned Voyager, I don't know, 16 or 17 points <laughs> in that outing. Imagine if it had been Mick Jagger. Boy, yeah, that'd have been really good. And then you could have got um, Professor Hickey. Yeah, he could have been. Uh, I don't know Braxton. Of a difference doesn't. Yeah, Hickey is Braxton and McJagger is Duquesne. Yeah, I'm into it. Come on. And then they could have just, you know, changed it from like bone jacked to like bone bone cranked or something. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna bone. We're gonna bone cranker. <laughs> Uh, would have been great. Ah, so many points. I'm just, I'm just they... imagining the rights holders of Free Jack coming <laughs> after Star Trek. Just, I, why do they give away points like this? If they just had a couple of good ideas like this, they get a million points. Yeah, I mean, that, let's be fair. Uh, this episode scored uh, 24 points this week. There's 20 or 30 points just in Mick Jagger. And yeah. if you throw uh, Jonathan Banks in there, come on, woof. It's a uh, that's a, a uh, casting tsunami right there uh you already mentioned that she's the type of person who checks out webmd how is your ms by the way uh uh terminal i'm terminal flare-ups <laughs> i'm gonna die and that's that okay so now i'm imagining coming to work at my job at paramount and seeing like a big sheet of Lexan on the desk and some purple rubber and the no- and just a note that says futuristic ping pong racket question mark <laughs> because someone had to make that. And then someone is yes, correct. Someone had to approve it. You, you had to, someone had to look at that and go, um, yeah, I don't care. That's I probably what like happened. That's right? Someone said, I don't care. Really, really skimping ever <laughs> since we, ever since that episode where Hannah Bates, plays an alien spy yeah. and she's got that thing that she plugs into her port and it it looks like it was made by Galoob. <laughs> <sighs> I've really been paying attention to the low quality of some of these props. That's all. Yeah. Well, you know, TV was hard back then. That's not easy like it today. You had to make 25 yeah. of these fuckers. Oh, that <laughs> sounds sure horrifying. Did. They're all it bad. I have to make 25 bad episodes every season. That's not good. It's like, that's one every other week, except that you know they, like, took no, they the summers them. off and shit. Yeah, yeah, they jam them all in. You're just filming three of those in a week. You're going, I don't understand. What page What page are we on? Oh, I'm holding the wrong episode. Oh, that's why this didn't make any sense. And then you pick up the script and you go, no, nope, still doesn't make sense. That's how you get shit like Picard shouting Kampok. <laughs> <laughs> or Doc Tang or any of them. Matt, how annoyed would you instantly be if a ping pong ball just froze on you like this? Oh yeah, no, that's like the ultimate troubleshooting nightmare right there. What like, do I even? How do I even shit, troubleshoot a ping pong ball? Shit, another anomaly. Fuck me, I guess. I <laughs> know uh, I just got to deal with this. I was, I'm off duty, honestly, and now I probably would respond that way because I would be sure that it was a problem for me in particular. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. wouldn't be like void. What are the consequences to void? I'd be like, this is gonna ruin my whole night. You'd be, you'd be like, well, there's no ping pong department on the ship, no. and so I guess, I guess. I'm the one who hit the ball, so I'm going to be running point on this. Like I said, man, I, how do, I have a hard enough time troubleshooting my printer here. How am I supposed to troubleshoot a ping pong ball? What? It's a ball. Well, I don't know. It's fl- yeah, now I get it's, it. It's frozen in space. What do you want me to do it about it? It should be moving, and it's not moving. I understand. 
and then I, you know, I'd just be like, if I wasn't here, this wouldn't have happened. Like, of course, because I'm here playing ping pong, this happens. This didn't happen in the match before I got on the table. I'm going to have to report this. I'm going to be in the report. Then, oh, then Instant Nielsen hit the ping pong ball. And the ping pong ball froze. I'm going to have to answer for this. Made myself answer on that one. Didn't want to sound cocky. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Chakotay in his one scene has a line where he says to Janeway, there's another problem, Captain. And I was sure the next thing he was going to say was, I'm obviously superimposed against a green screen. (laughs) It wasn't good. The script was so baffling. I thought maybe he was going to say, there's a problem. There's another problem, Captain. And then he would be like, I'm still powerfully attracted to you. (laughs) I'd be like, oh, it's coming back. Finally. I'm so confused. I'm honestly I'm ready for it because he has nothing else to do. I mean just like a real nothing. If they if there was just a scene in this episode or a later episode where he just went into his quarters like said goodbye to someone in a call hall went into his quarters and just like went into the bathroom off screen and started making water noises <laughs> and the camera just panned over and there was a weird shrine to Janeway in the corner I'd be like a million points. That's so, again, yeah, you could get you could get points. It's possible. Yeah, the last time there was an episode about him was the boxing episode. Oof. Oh man! And it had been like two seasons since the one before that. His biggest fear, Matt, is ending up like his nice grandfather. Yeah, his nice grandfather who's never talked about before, who's just like I don't know, weird in an old person way. Yeah. Uh huh. Do you think that exaggerating? is a cool time traveler thing to do because this guy says to her to to Kane, we'll grab her a microsecond before the explosion and then they grab her like uh yeah a couple minutes before the explosion. <laughs> I thought that meant they were gonna like beam her out. Yeah. But they like I'm for show sure. up. They show up and chat with her before they take her. Yeah, I thought they had technology for it. Again, I was expecting her to be bone jacked. Yes, but what yes. really bone happened, cranked, which in please, the movie TM, I think TM, just TM, happened TM. bone cranked, which just I think just happens with a flash of light or something. Yeah. But I was expecting uh wow. that and instead two goons show up and manhandle her <laughs> off the ship. As I'm sure we've discussed on also, some time on this pod that that that, that free jack happened in nineteen ninety two and then you see the special effects and you your guess would have been nineteen seventy six and you just Oh yeah. <laughs> You see it and you go, what the fuck? How did they do this bad? There was Terminator 2 the same year. What happened? Uh, Also, when they kidnap her, Matt, they slap that uh, triangle thing on her shoulder and she just gives it a dirty look for 10 (laughs) seconds and like, wouldn't you slap it right back off? (laughs) They'd be like, what's this fucking shit? What's this Nazi shit? Get that off of me. I'm not wearing no fucking triangles for you, motherfucker. If someone slapped a device on my arm, I would for sure flick it right back off. People often on TV don't make the minimum amount of resistance that you would see no. in real life. They don't struggle. They don't try to do anything. They just, like, either they give a look or they have, like, a witty retort or something. But in real life, you know, I ain't gonna let these weirdos try to manhandle me. Yeah, you slap that off and say, I don't know you. <laughs> I don't know you, and frankly, I just had a very stressful ping pong incident, and I'm busy. Um, how happy were you to see Kazon shit again? Uh, I mean, at least I knew that this was a time, a time whoopsie, a time thing was happening. So I was and they glad. weren't showing up forty thousand <laughs> light years away. I was glad they didn't just randomly show up in whatever part of the quadrant they're in now in season five. It's me against Seska. You thought I was dead, but I'm not. <laughs> you thought I was dead a couple of times. 
Still not, though. According to the script. Um, then I wrote, I liked this guy anyway because he's from B5, but now that I know he's anti-Janeway, I'm all in. Yeah. He's in a roof for. Yeah. You know, he knew Captain of the Clarksville. <laughs> he had an Abyssinian cat named Max. You see, that's the problem with this war. We know everyone we kill. Anyway, everybody. Um, and then at that point I wrote, look, I don't know who planted this bomb again, a bomb yet, but um, aren't Voyager shields down like 99% of the time? <laughs> would you need the cover of a Kazon attack if that was the only reason? Also, how would you possibly have have narrowed down the incident? He said, we have a two-year window where it could happen. It must have been this time the shields were down. In that two years, the shields, again, like you said, were just constantly down. <laughs> they're just almost always in his... For one thing, when they're just cruising is... around in space, they ain't got them up. No shields. They yeah. got them up. And then... Do you know why? Do you know why they do it that way? So they can dra- have the captain dramatically say, shields up, red alert. <laughs> it's right. Yeah, you'd think flying through the Delta Quadrant, you just keep them up. But also, they also have the problem, the script-related problem of crippling energy um, issues. Yes. Where they constantly have to ration energy and stuff. But, like, um, and then when they're constantly in combat and their shields are always going down. So it's just, one, like, oh, nearly 100% of the time you could you could have infiltrated. But somehow they, they tracked it to that Kazon day. Yeah. I mean, wouldn't you have done it when they were stuck in that void where there were no stars and Janeway wouldn't come out of her bedroom. That's a good one. She was very absent. Because for sure, Harry Kim would have been like, there's a temporal variance of point zero zero three, and Chicote would have said, <laughs> oh well. <laughs> that probably is what he would have said. <laughs> Not my job. <laughs> Tuvok would have said, could be the scanners need realigning or something, and Chicote would have said, probably. probably yeah, that. get on that. I'm going to go visit Captain Janeway again and beg her to come out. <laughs> Yeah, listen, I'm very <laughs> concerned. I'm very concerned that I'm going to find her hanging in her quarters. I've been showing up every day to beg her to come out. She just stands in the shadows. She won't even come over and stand in the... She's got one lamp on, but she won't go anywhere near it. <laughs> very weird. Anyway, someone was dumb. I guess maybe it was... Either it was Braxton or Duquesne or what, but um, I guess everyone was dumb because it turns out that was when the attack it happened. it 100% correct. They got it right. Yeah. <laughs> um, this dude is good at saying compensate. Sounds mm. like he means it. Yes. And then the last two minutes were too chaotic for me to even write down quick hitters, so I didn't. Well, as always, I had the. Uh... Well, anyway, what, what, do you have actor notes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gave best actor to Earth Force Major Ryan and yeah. worst actor to foaming at the mouth Braxton. <laughs> <laughs> when he comes at Janeway at the end, uh, there was a good part I liked there when. <laughs> When Seth had said he's got transporter psychosis, and he looked at her and said, of course I do. <laughs> no shit. Yeah. Uh, well, I did the what description, you got? so I only yeah. got the one quick hitter, which just says, apparently I wrote this, it says, more like Tempest fuck it. <laughs> That's it. It's the only quick hitter. Um, yeah, honestly... Uh, this episode uh, scored better than either uh, last week's Voyager or last week's TNG. So, yeah, that's true. It did, it came out okay. I mean, not great on the points, but okay. I mean, I did zero take ethics. Yeah. So I'm not gonna say I. Kn- I mean, I no take it very technically, 
They said what they gave me was the absence of a take. Yes. So <clears throat> I got to play the clip, which everybody loves. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Number two. <sighs> Second place last week was The Next Generation. This week we watched The Outcast. <laughs> Did you get enough? Was I too fast on the timing? No, that was good. Okay, good. Sounded good. The Enterprise is working with an androgynous race called the Janai to help find one of their missing shuttlecraft. I mentioned it at the top because it's in Picard's captain's log, opening captain's log, that they're androgynous. Yep. I also have the same note. (laughs) I said (laughs) in my world building, Janai, an androgynous race, which is rare enough that Picard needs to point it out right up top. They tell you right at the beginning. We'll talk about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they launch a probe, but as it flies out ahead of the ship, it disappears. Picard floats a theory that they may have discovered the first known instance of a theoretical null space. Mm. And that turns out to be true because it's not important. Honestly, it's like they knew that card game was coming and they're like, we need more dilemmas and interrupts. Yeah. What about null space? That's nothing. We can put that on a card and say null space, and it's a picture of nothing. And then it says, like, uh, I don't know, you lose a turn. I don't know how this game works. <laughs> well, not only does the fact that no one proposes another theory tell you that it's nothing, but also the fact that Riker puts Picard on the and Picard puts Riker on the case. <laughs> yes. It's null space. Will, you're up. Work with their scientists, Will Riker, to figure this one out. Riker and a Janai named Soren give a presentation. Mm. They think the shuttle is trapped in the null space with no energy because this fucking space eats energy. Yeah. But because their shuttles carry chemical life support backups, the crew may still be alive and Jordy's working on a way to rescue them. Soren tells Riker they'd like to go along with him on the mission and he walks them through the features of the old Type 6 shuttle but they know it all already, and he's impressed. Yeah. Then they do some pronoun talk. Yeah, I mean, he As literally usual. asks the question, because this is 1992, and <laughs> someone at least said, oh, well, someone was writing the script and went, oh, I can't, it's not, it's not she. Uh, well, how does this work? And so Riker gets to say, hey, how does this work? Yeah, I will tell you, well, I will tell you that 100% of the time he refers to her as she, and uh, you'll notice that I am referring to them as they. Yes. Uh, they hadn't figured it out. And as usual, Riker is baffled. Mm-hmm. And then he takes them to lunch for more gender stereotype talk. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, they're as confused as he is, and they don't know that they're talking to a dumb guy that <laughs> that's actually trying hard, but ultimately is still a dumb guy. This is the problem, man. This is the problem. When you're working with other species, like you don't know who you're working with. Yeah, this you guy's might second think, in command on this yes. huge palace of a ship. He's you probably pretty on it. You've got the cream of the crop. And then you go back and you go, I don't think these guys are very bright. <laughs> I'm just having a conversation right now. And this guy wasn't really lighting it up for me. And um, he's like, I don't know, like the prince of Feder- of the Federation or something. And um, so we may watch out for these guys. But they don't know. They just got a random dummy. Someone told me they've offered him a ship three times. Can you believe that? That guy. Yeah, the guy you that, you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> the guy who ate his disposable fork at the at the, at the brunch. It was just art it was an artistic fork. We were trying to be fancy. And, and then said mm, crunchy. 
that guy. <laughs> the guy he just kept tugging his tugging his sweater guy. He wouldn't stop tugging at his goddamn sweater. You know, sweater. This, this guy. <laughs> this guy. Over and over again. Hey, do your impression of him. Yeah, that's exactly what he looked like. That's the one. <laughs> uh, you know who does a great impression of him? His captain. <laughs> uh... Anyway, they don't know they're talking to a dumb guy. Um, but at least he has a good attitude about it. Yeah. And Soren's having a pretty good time until their frigid bar- bra- boss, I can't I can't speak now, Crite. And that's what I knew I had to say. <laughs> and that's why I stumbled. Yeah, you were trying to prep yourself. Their frigid boss, Crite, shows up. Don't say and Kraut. Then it's like don't a- say Kraut. Don't say Kraut. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a switch is flipped in Soren. Um, and they become cold and overprofessional. So I didn't mention it, but the plan is to take the shuttle out and shoot the null space pocket hundreds of times with their phasers to mm. figure out where it is. It's Riker's plan, as you can imagine. It's, yes, his plans are a bit phasery at all times. She's like, even she's like, this thing, uh, it's unarmed, right? He's like, normally, but I fucking souped it up. We're ready to shoot, baby. Yep. Uh,. And since this is the space future, he does a couple manual, and then he uh, initiates a computer task handoff so that the computer could do the rest of the boring shit. Yes. Just in time for Soren to say to him, tell me about your sexual organs. Yes, 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 yes. I want to know about your penis in particular, but also maybe about your balls if you have time. (laughs) Yeah. Honestly, I'm way less interested in them for some reason. Yeah, like, I don't... If you get to it, you get to it, but I want to know about the penis, specifically. Uh, he handles it slightly better than Harry Kim 1-7 told him to remove his uniform. <laughs> you, uh, be kind. Riker to... does his very, very best in this episode. He does. No, this is the thing about Riker, and this is, I mean, ultimately, like I said, he's a dumb guy, but he is trying. He's yeah, he really tries. trying. He's doing his best here. <laughs> um, Soren wants to know all about mating. It turns out the Janai inseminate a husk together. Yeah. And when Riker says, that doesn't sound like a lot of fun, Soren makes sure he knows that they know how to fuck. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Don't, That's just the last Don't step. get it twisted. Yeah, yeah, yeah we yeah, do yeah. all kinds of stuff. We rub the husk. We look at the husk a lot. It's pretty visual. Actually, you look at the husk and you kind of just makes you tingle. They also reveal, and here we're coming to the crux of it, that gender is illegal on their world. Mm. See, they used to have two sexes, but they evolved beyond all that. Yeah. Um, at this point, the shuttle clips the null space pocket because I guess the phaser plant's not real good. It's not real good. You know what they and didn't Riker try? should have Sweeping been paying it. attention. Yeah, yeah, as always. Can you put him on the widest possible beam? Yeah. And just... Nah, he's just just to take a bunch of point samples and hope. Yeah. Um, Soren gets a bonk on the head, has to be beamed to sick bay, and this uh, this is a nice script con- contrivance that lets them talk to Beverly Crusher about what it's like to be female. Mm-hmm. Uh, Troy is not in the room to be insulted by this choice because <laughs> Maurice Hurley isn't around. That's right. And make sure uh, you put you make sure you put that bitch right in the back so she can see that the alien's make sure go, she knows. Oh, I've never seen a woman before you walked into the room. <laughs> I don't know what these other guys is. What's the make one sure with she the knows that she ain't shit. The one with the low cut top. She ain't shit. I thought that one with the low cut top was especially ugly. Nagila out. <laughs> I have no idea what that guy sounds like, but uh <laughs> go go listen to our discussions of the early episodes of season 2. <laughs> Uh, Soren asks about makeup and who attracts whom, and 
although Beverly Crusher spouts the same kind of gender essentialist and heteronormative stuff that's been coming out of Riker's mouth this whole time, mm. she does take a beat to uh, stare down the barrel of the camera and reassure everyone that the patriarchy is dead and gender yes. issues don't exist in Gene's For future. Quite some time. Just she so says long. it with her mouth a lot. So yeah. long, I can't give you a specific figure, but just a very long time. Okay? <laughs> not in the not-too-distant future from the year 1992. This is all going to go away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Beverly also sees Riker get a little touchy with Soren when he comes to check on them. And once again, we know that uh, she sees this because she does face acting. Yes. Well, I guess Worf forgot this week that Troy is better at poker than he is. <laughs> it's because she's not always he... reminding him the way she always reminds Data. Yes. Yeah, probably also because he doesn't remember a lot of what happened immediately before <laughs> that barrel fell on him, honestly. Yeah, he he may not last... actually remember that he lost that big hand to her. He don't remember the last seven or eight poker games, for sure. All I'm saying was last week, it was, he started, it started with, she beat me at poker, and now he's like, this is a woman's hand. <laughs> this, this game you want to deal this is a woman's hand it's probably just overcompensating doubling tripling down you know could be um but i do want to remind everyone that when Worf was a good character he had a better attitude about women too of course a better attitude about everything yeah and unsurprisingly this attitude bad attitude version of Worf is also weirded out by the janai they're like a door that he can't figure out how to open or too many <laughs> rikers or something yeah or like if and, kira had a cardassian friend or like you're at a Cardassian friend. <laughs> the whole situation's wrong to him. <laughs> and Beverly cannot be cool and spills the tea about Soren and Riker. Yeah. Doesn't want to be cool. But, no, no, no. She came to that poker game <laughs> very much with the, with that on her mind. She's like, I'm going to tell them all. I cannot yeah. wait for an opening to tell them about. Uwe put his hand on their shoulder. Yeah, and he was like, hold on a second. Uh, let's say from the doctor. Let's see what the doctor has to say. Again, for plot reasons, the shuttle that was damaged is being fixed by Riker and Soren. Yeah. And Soren tells Riker that they find him attractive, and also that she has always harbored secret illegal feelings of femaleness. Yes, and Riker says, I fucking knew you were good to go. (laughs) What he should have said, and what I'm sure uh, Frank's pitched in the room was, doesn't matter to me. <laughs> oh, I was down when you didn't have a gender. Yeah, one hundred percent. Just kind of honestly, I kind of wanted to check out that husk. Wanted to try out that husk. You made it sound pretty good, actually. I've never inseminated a husk. I thought maybe I never husked that. it before. Someone asked me a few weeks ago if I'd ever husked it, and I lied and said <laughs> I had, and I'd like to do it. <laughs> I would like to do that. I'm kind of on my own. Sexual voyage out here. That's right. Yes, uh, a trek of sorts through all the alien vagines, peens, and, and husks. Husks. <laughs> um, but uh, her gender has to be a secret, or she she'll have to go to alien conversion therapy. Yeah. <laughs> she. I was going to say stay out of my notes, but there's only so many ways to read this episode, so. I'm- <laughs> And I'm pretty sure if a thousand people made notes of this episode, 700 of them would have come up with something like that. I think so. I think probably. Uh, she tells a story about a student who was rumored to have secret male feelings and got sent to one of the treatment centers, and the whole thing terrified her. Yeah. 
Jordy signs off on their repairs, and the shuttle is set to go into the null space. Um, inside of which they immediately find the missing ship. The crew's unconscious, but they're alive. It takes two attempts to beam the crew out, but now they don't got enough power to beam back to the Enterprise, so... Mm. Riker wants to pump every ounce of juice they have into the transporter, knowing that the shuttle will explode in the attempt. <laughs> and uh, all four of them make it to sickbay, okay? Yeah, it's it's really a, upsetting. The universe keeps rewarding him for yep. this kind of behavior. <laughs> if that shuttle blew up in there, no one would ever know what happened, right? I guess not. It'd be nice if it could uh, be an object lesson, but oh well. Object lesson? <laughs> Yes. Look, I've one. had a lot of beer. I like beer. <laughs> I know you do. You're squeeze friend. Yeah. The Janai are pretty pumped by this whole rescue, and they invite everyone down to dinner. And someone else. And I don't know if it was Krite or... Mm. Hold on, there's another one. Oh, boy. What's Just the name of the really other steal one? yourself before you say this one. Noor. Oh, okay. I don't know if it's Krite or Noor, but someone else picks up on... What's going on between Riker and Soren? Surely somebody in a jumpsuit of olive or camel. Yes. Those seem is. to be the two main colors. They do. Well, they have no gender, you see, so they can't wear any blues or reds. <laughs> That's how gender works. Purple. The colors you know the are very rules? strongly associated with genders, and without genders, you wouldn't have colors. Everyone knows this. Um, And they also let you know via face acting that they've seen something. Yeah, I guess Riker isn't having fun at the banquet because Soren finds him out on the patio and he's in a fucking mood. Yeah, he's he's basically being havened a second time here. <laughs> um, on the pretext of exobotany, Soren takes him on a tour, but they're followed. So when he stops her for a kiss, it's trouble. Yeah. Anyway, Enterprise is up in space charting the null space anomaly because. You know, apparently the Janai are just going to have to deal with it, so they might as well figure out where it actually is. Right. Um, and Riker takes a minute to go talk to Troy, who has just been sent a box of dumb human shit that belonged to her dad's family. He 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 can't get interested in any of this business. No, though, he because... doesn't like care at all. I no. He... <laughs> For a second, I was like, "Oh, she gonna? There's gonna be some kind of analogy here. It's gonna make some kind of connection." Between what's happening, and then he's just like, I got my own thing. Something like, you know, sexuality on Beta Z is very different. Uh, yeah, <laughs> as anything. you can tell by my wild naked mom. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but my dad managed it, you know, like it's possible. Anyway, it doesn't, none, doesn't matter. He is so disinterested in what she's doing that it renders it absolutely useless. Yeah. Because he came to tell Deanna about, he's fucking in love. It don't make no sense, but he's in love, and she reassures him, look, we're always going to be friends, so I guess we're supposed to think, boy, Soren is really important to this guy, because this never, but hold on, they kiss on the lips? Yeah, you know, like friends do, then they listen to Endless Love in the Dark. <laughs> yeah, so I saw wild. That. I saw that, and I said to Marjan, yeah, you know, like friends do, they kissed on the lips. It it makes me, I'm not going to do this because we honestly, we have no mechanism for doing this, but it makes me want to go back a few episodes to Conundrum and add an extra character point for Riker 
about to kiss Troy on the mouth in yeah. the middle of his thing with Rolaren. <laughs> well, that's just how that's just how our boy rolls. <laughs> you don't need memory for that. That's all instinct for him. Well, next, presumably with a little bit of Deanna's lipstick still on him, he goes to Soren's quarters, but she ain't there. Instead, the brown jumpsuit is there and tells him Soren is already in custody. Dude, imagine... <laughs> just... All right, we've uh, we've uh, arrested Soren. She's one of them gender criminals. Um, she was making out with some guy. Okay, that's cool. Doesn't it end there? Don't you just go home and you've got her in custody? Where does the order come in? Now go wait in her quarters. <laughs> go sit in her quarters and see if he key. shows up. This is a very key and important piece of this. You have to wait yeah, in her quarters as long as it fucking it. takes. If, yeah, he, if no one there. shows up for days, you fucking sit there until the cleaning you know crew comes because they're sure she's checked out of Space Hotel and they're going to finally clean that room. You sit there and if that fucker shows up, you stand up real proud and you say, we arrested your girlfriend. What? You know what? Don't bring a book. I want him to think back on it later and realize you were just sitting there waiting for him. <laughs> just for him. What is... Who gave that order? Was that Crite? Yeah. That's a I real Crite so. move. That sounds like it's, something fucking Crite. That's some Crite shit, yeah. God damn it. Um, Because this is TV, she's actually already on trial. <laughs> they fast-tracked it, for sure. Yeah, 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 they sure did. And uh, he barges in. He tries to take the blame himself, says he pushed the relationship on her and apologizes, but Sorm isn't going to let him take the fall for this, and instead announces that she is female, she was born female, she's always felt this way, she's not sick or unnatural or in need of help or any kind of treatment. Um, she gives a good speech, mm-hmm. but because it's not Picard giving the speech, and there's still time left in the episode, yeah. it isn't enough. No, no Admiral stands up. Nothing happens. Yep. Exactly. No, they haul her off for psychotectic treatments. Even when Riker offers to take her away with him. Mm-hmm. He beams up angry and goes to talk to his dad, Jean-Luc. But <laughs> this week, Picard won't let him kill anyone. <laughs> it's weird. Except, I want to make this clear. He uses language that strongly implies he's not going to actually do anything to prevent Riker from acting. Yes, he does. And, of course, we see what happens at the end. So this week, Picard is leaving the knife at Worf's feet. Yeah, it's all very confusing. <laughs> I actually, I have, well, we'll talk about it later. <clears throat> uh, speaking of Worf, he drops in on Riker. Because it's been a few weeks since anyone told him they were the only two warriors on the ship or anything <laughs> cool like that. In his quarters, to talk about null space, but actually yes. to offer to help in whatever Riker has planned. Yeah. They put on dark clothes and head down to the planet they and indeed, rough up a couple of different colors. Guards. It's important to know <laughs> that Worf brought his red turtleneck and Riker oh. brought his blue one. Sorry, do you mean Worf brought his blousy magenta shirt <laughs> and Riker brought one of his pajama shirts? I mean, they are high-necked for sure. I made yeah. sure to check. They're high-necked. and um... But it's not the ribbed black tactical no, turtlenecks no, 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 no. that you want it to be. No, no. In my head, I've, I've remembered for a long time that they wore different colored commando shirts um to do this but i just think it's funny that they it's a uniform of sorts is what's funny <laughs> you know what wear dark clothes it's nighttime down Don't there you wear um you got any you got any like turtlenecks or anything that you want to wear i was thinking of wearing this one what do you think 
Oh, you got one like that? Oh, okay. Make sure you wear it in a different color, though. Oh, mine's got a big panel of contrasting texture on the chest. What about yours? If we go to um, if we go to the transporter room where we're both in the same shirt, people they'll they'll think something's up. So just wear a different <laughs> shirt than this one. Okay. Uh, do you think they beam down from different transporter rooms? <laughs> I have no idea. They spend so little time on the planning of the raid or the consequences of the raid. So I have no yeah. clue. <laughs> Yeah, anyway, it's too late. Uh, Soren already went through the treatments. Because this is sci-fi, the treatments actually worked. Yeah. And they no longer have their female feelings. Yeah. Riker tells Soren he loves them, and Soren just says, I'm sorry. And then mm. Riker returns to the bridge and confirms that their business with the Janai is finished and they can head to the feeling system. Yeah. Matthew. Mm. What's this episode about? Okay, now I know no one has said the word gay in the whole episode, so far, in the whole no. description so far. But as we talked about previously in, for, in forecasting the episodes for this week, this was one that was clearly about one thing. And then 30 <laughs> years later, society scared did a switcheroo on them. And now it appears to be exactly, exactly yes. about a current like event. <laughs> verbatim what they say in the episode is now a thing that matters. <laughs> yes. So it it made it, it makes it seem like they are not doing science fiction at all. Yes. In this episode. <laughs> When they were doing it as hard as they possibly could because they were terrified. That's right. So, <clears throat> what I had is being gay is natural, something that you're born with and not a choice, and it is wrong for people to force you to be straight. In 1992, this was a decently hot take. Hollywood's always ahead on this one, so it was not the first TV show or right. movie to say this, but a large part of society still did, and, and a much larger part than should still does um, think that it's just, you, should, you shouldn't be gay. So I can't give it full marks because they still had to do the um, no one in space can be gay ever. We can't let even one gay character be in space. No. So like rather than just having a gay alien who's like, yeah, I'm gay and they don't let me be gay on my world. And then Crusher goes, oh, it's been fine to be gay for like 300 years or something. But then later in a card game, everyone's like, I don't know about the game. I don't know about the game. We've still got some work to do. That's right. Yeah. Like something like they don't do that. They still do veil it behind an issue that they didn't really think was going to be an issue, I guess. No, they 100% failed to anticipate what was going to happen. But this is the best work one of these shows has done in so long in terms of picking an issue and trying to hit it, even though they've veiled it and sci-fied it and everything. Um, So I gave it an eight. I think yeah, this, is what, where... this is what you do. This is how it works. You come in and you say, uh, people still think it's bad to be gay. What do we do an episode about that? And then the, the network doesn't say you can never do that. Also, we want to do reinforce the Vietnam War was great again one more time. <laughs> like, it's still pretty crazy that this episode even aired, even though it was the 90s. So, uh, yeah, eight. Yeah. Yeah, uh, eight for I placed it too. I mean, like you said, there's the explicit take that they intended. Homosexuality is normal. Gay people don't need to change, aren't deviant. Yep. And then because of their accidental choice of metaphor, (laughs) the same about gender. Yes, that's right. Same and, uh, uh, yes and. Same, same with gender. That is a 100% pure accident. It's super clear that in 1992, they didn't even have a thought about actual feelings of gender identity, or they wouldn't have used it for the metaphor. Mm -hmm. But like you said, it's a big take episode. That's right. They came out swinging. They picked an issue that was uh, current, and they fucking did a lot. They did a bunch of stuff about it. That's right. And yeah, they had to hide it because someone at Paramount was like, 
they won't let us play this in Alabama if you make them actually gay. That's right. We still are no gays in space. You can have an episode where a person changes uh, bodies, and then yep. um, like that's two ladies, and you can have one where like a lady used to be a man, and then she met the old lady from her past life, and they can do a kiss. But that's it. Switching into execution. Yeah. Uh, this episode has been subject to criticism for a long time because yeah. at the time when everyone knew this was an episode about homosexuality, it felt watered down a little. Mm-hmm. Rick Berman cast all the Janae as women because they were worried about showing Riker kissing a man. Although, yeah. at least in retrospective articles, Frake seems to have been down. Right. <laughs> he talks a lot about how he thought that was cowardly. Sure. I mean, it is, if especially when you do notice that literally every single one of the aliens is played by a lady. Yeah. Uh, they were very oblique, and they never mentioned homosexuality, and in fact, they accidentally reinforce heteronormativity as a yeah. result. Yep. But ultimately, I think their hearts were in the right place, and they mostly did okay, and notably, they barely both sides did at all. Like, That's true. They don't have an. They don't really have an advocate. The best is when Nor, whoever is like, everyone's very happy after they go through our conversion <laughs> therapy. I, uh, I mean, they make one of every the main all crew. of the Jedi were told to do, and uh, and they didn't know what this meant at the time. And Elizabeth Holmes from Theranos voice. <laughs> it's kind of right. I want to say R.I.P. to her. I know she's not technically dead, but you know. Just going away. <laughs> yes. Just going away Just for go a while. while. <laughs> um, that doesn't mean the episode is perfect, though. No. Soren's feelings about Riker seem to be contingent upon her feelings of gender. That's how she story describes reasons. it. <laughs> yeah. It's not, it's not clear at all why she couldn't still have feelings for him without them. Right. Like, these, without the concept of gender in their society, the rest of these Jedi find people who they're attracted to. Why couldn't she just have been attracted to Riker? Yeah. Yeah, anyway, I mean, he even asks matter. her how it works, and she's like, well, we just try to find people who think they're dudes. And it's like, oh, that's the only step, I guess. You just find <laughs> yeah, someone that's who... Yeah, that's so, literally the only criterion. Someone who guys, believes yeah. they're a dude, and then it's, you're good to go. Okay. Yeah. Um, There is absolutely no mention of consequences for Riker's dumb rescue <laughs> mission, though he and Worf definitely issued a couple of black eyes down on the planet. It was assault, 100%. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a little irresponsible to suggest that conversion therapy works, even if we're supposed to think it's abhorrent, right? Yep. And I don't think the scene with Troy is really helpful. But I didn't hate it. Uh, maybe because now I don't have to worry about Dad coming in and getting mad. <laughs> is that a, you know? is that something you were worried about particularly in this episode? Well, I mean, you're watching this and you're like, Dad's not going to be cool about any of this. No, if he sits through this, going to make a lot of comments. He's probably going to even yeah, say we're gonna... never allowed to watch it again. <laughs> run his mouth about it um so not as high as an eight but i did give them a six for execution because i honestly i think they mostly hit it yeah i think the first thing i wrote was pretty dull teaser bro the probe disappeared that is the five thousandth most exciting thing to happen on this ship in the last five years Who and record didn't say it was some kind of probe <laughs> he didn't take three beats and then look over and go it disappeared when everyone was like, yeah, fine, we fucking know. <clears throat> okay, this was actually, this was fairly sensitively handled. Soren's confession scene to Riker is pretty detailed and affecting. Like, she gives, she gives the whole thing about the, the 
boy, the one who thought he was a boy and how he was bullied in school and all this stuff. It kind of gives you an idea of what it feels like to be the victim of certain prejudices. Also, her monologue in the courtroom scene was pretty good, too. Bonus points for being affecting and thoughtful about one subject in 1992 and another in 2022. (laughs) It's like, again, 100% an accident, but it aligns so perfectly with the time when we are doing this project. Yep. If we had done this one decade ago. Oh, yeah. Still still two-thirds of the time since this episode aired would have passed. Yeah, we just would have said, well, they couldn't talk about gays, so they made an alien gender thing. Um, this episode also works to soften Riker a bit. He's not all about big boobies and skimpy outfits. He can find someone attractive who wears a drab olive jumpsuit and a short bowl cut. <laughs> yeah, don't know? get it twisted. He does like big boobies and skimpy outfits. That's right. But this dude, well, his interests are wide ranging. We've mm-hmm. seen him with the harps, and that don't make a lot of sense in a world with a holodeck. So, no. yeah. He's also not afraid of the gender stuff, though, of course, this one was always female, so I guess he sensed that. Uh, He has a sensitive scene with Troy, too, which, you know. He comes off better than he has in a while, until (laughs) the second half of the episode, where he goes off the rails. He gets all cowboyish out there. The court is supposedly, these are closed proceedings, he just walks in and he goes, I guess I just opened them. What? Yeah. Yikes. Then a full commando. He doesn't go as John Wayne as you did with that delivery. (laughs) That is the idea. A full commando raid where he assaults a police force. um, And there were no consequences. Despite all the shit Picard warned him about earlier in the episode about risking his career and stuff. No one even fucking asks about it. No, Picard is so interested in protecting Riker's career that he, he doesn't even ask him anything specific when Riker busts back on the bridge he yeah. just says I trust our business with the and we know concluded. what he's talking about we he's do. like hey how'd the commando raid go I see you're alone yeah, are we Worf good was now? already on the bridge by the way and back in uniform so I guess they beamed up at different times yeah well Riker had to cry in the garden for a little while probably um so anyway that's not all less good for Riker but um all in all I, I thought this was a good effort I gave it a seven all right. World building. Uh, the Janai, an androgynous race, again, which is rare enough that Picard needs to point it out right up top, used to have two sexes, but evolved. Now they just are uh, there's just the one gender or whatever. Now they do gay conversion therapy on anyone who prefers a gender. Null space. They tell us well, what kind of warp engines are on the shuttle, that it's not usually armed. I blame this Star Trek episode for the attitudes of athletes about concussions. <laughs> Soren gets a <clears throat> minor concussion, and Crusher tells him, you're good to go. You're fine. Don't worry about it. Just shake out the cobwebs. <laughs> and yeah. And Soren's like, I'm ready to get back out there, coach. It's ridiculous. Um, it is probably uh, all of those. All of those football players. Junior say I'll probably watch this episode 50 times. <laughs> That's right. Just gotta get back to work like that androgynous alien. Um, Crusher says it's been a long time since women were considered weak and inferior, but I've seen enough Star Trek to know that that ain't right. No. It ain't been long at all. (laughs) No, uh, but to be fair, Crusher never watched Turnabout Intruder. (laughs) Uh, Has she seen seen any TNG? 
because there's some stuff in there too. There is some stuff in TNG. Um, Federation Day, the poker game. Um, it's mainly Alien of the Week stuff, and then some human gender role stuff that it gets muddied because then again, some people are still like, oh, I don't know, I think it's weird. Uh, I gave it a two. I was a little higher, mostly for shuttle specs reasons, mm-hmm. um, including that they're usually unarmed, which seems strange to me. Yeah, I always, in my head, they always had phasers, but maybe Riker's yeah. just always piloting them. Uh, it uses 10 megajoules of energy to transport two people. Um, did look that up for you, Matt. That's the same as a 10-ton mass moving at 100 miles per hour. Wow. That's a so, lot of energy. It's a lot of energy, but it's not like an absurd sci-fi number amount. No. <laughs> Or the absurdly low sci-fi number, because sometimes they don't get those numbers right at all. It's like if a big truck barreled into a wall. That's how much energy it'd have to get rid of, you know? So, like, maybe a um, a stunt on Top Gear. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Uh, null space, and like you said, the Federation was founded in 2161. Yeah. Um, now you're right, it's a two. <laughs> uh, characterization. Yeah, go for it. I mean, what could be more in character for Riker? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> the dude is a sexual explorer, and his number one criterion is someone being into him. Yeah. I mean, I get it. It feels good to be wanted, you know? Yeah. Um, because of Haven, he even has to go and ask Troy's permission. And then, just like in Conundrum, he kiss, kisses Troy on the mouth anyway. <laughs> he does some dumb blundering into a courtroom to try to take the blame, goes on a rescue mission, broods in Picard's office. It's a very pure Riker episode. Yes. Uh, Crusher's indiscreet. Worf is a bigot this week, even though Klingons supposedly admire strong women and read love poetry to them and stuff. Sure. Also, I guess he doesn't hold any grudges about Riker not killing him last week because he volunteers for a potentially career-ending mission. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Uh, no one else is in it. It's, uh, another prime directive take from Picard, although that definitely doesn't technically apply, which again puts him on the side of not doing anything about an injustice for political reasons, but that's his whole fucking game now. Yeah, it turns out. So, I'm giving five points for Riker and none for anyone else. That's fair. Yeah, Riker becomes boned out when this not-lady knows their way around a shuttle. Riker took her, uh, they took them, her, on a hot date for split pea soup. <laughs> that's what a he, weird choice. That's what he did. I was I'm sure not... they were going to have Sundays. It should have been Sundays. He should take a page from Wesley's book of romance. It's very dumb. bring her a big bowl of pudding with no spoon. No, he looked at this, he looked at uh, everything about the Janai, and he went, Split pea soup, for sure. <laughs> well, it's the color of most. It's the average color of their outfits is split pea soup. So. It's the way to go for these people. Uh, he manages they, to... They can't handle nothing too tasty or uh, spicy <laughs> or anything. Also, I don't want to have a Scott Thompson situation on my hands. I better keep this thing <laughs> under control. Can I have more desserts? Uh, Riker manages to keep his sleazier impulses at bay and basically gives... Um, Soren a decent rundown on gender, but he's pretty judgmental about their husks. <laughs> he could be cooler about it. Yeah, kind of kind of gets snide and talks about how it doesn't sound like it's any fun. Soren reveals themselves to Riker, and he basically goes, I fucking knew you were hot to trot, lady. I can see it. He doesn't, like, he, he literally is like, uh-huh, uh, I know. 
He gets real worked up about this whole thing, goes off the reservation, breaks the prime directive according to Picard, assaults a security team, and then just leaves the system like nothing happened except he'll never love again, part two. (laughs) The way he's brooding on the bridge when he comes in is... (laughs) He definitely an hour later said, I can't believe I'll never love again, everybody. I left it for my quick hitters, but I have a very specific thought about that. Okay. Worf is one of those boring men's rights activists... He doesn't like the Janai either, but then he's uh, all in on this raid. I guess so we don't think he sucks by the end of the episode, because he's been pretty <laughs> right. sucky so far. He's like, oh, it's a he's, woman's hand, and then he's like, he's I don't trust He's definitely doing this for Riker, so, you know. Yeah. He's still, he's he's your bro, he's just, you know, he's a little bit of a caveman. That's right. Troy, as always, plays nice with Riker when he comes to brag about his new girlfriend. This week, Picard tries to talk Riker out of any action... This is reasonable talk from your CO, but after last week's shit about definitely stabbing Worf, I just wonder, if I were Riker, I might I might get the circle together. I might get the <laughs> mutiny team. Hey guys, his heart's get not together. I, meet at the I ship's, don't know what to say. Meet at the ship's subway and just make sure you're all holding a subway sandwich for this scene. <laughs> like, does anyone else see it? Picard has been all, all over the place recently. Must be going like through he, some personal stuff. He told me not to go down there, but then he like then he specifically then waits he, around. He just sat in his office and waited for me to do it. And then, and then he, when like, I came back up, he wasn't very, mad. very clearly asked me if I'd finished with my raid. He's like, "We don't have any other business here, right, buddy?" Does this guy have, like? That's probably not this, but did his nephew die in a fire or something? Because this feels like the kind dude of is thing not. He's, he's not on his game right now uh, i gave it a six now did you in your watching of this episode mm. write down anything you'd like to say about it yes um it is hard for Riker to grasp no gender but to be fair spock said it was a universal constant that there were two <laughs> so, it's true it's probably in the books it's probably in the textbooks the great thinker spock yeah said that there were only two the women. <laughs> so anyway, sorry, they're sorry. Hold on, there. Uh, Frat, there actually is one. Yeah, that find unit them. is a woman. <laughs> Massive conflicting impulses. <laughs> um, so they're working on that engine, and then she confesses, and she leaves, and it's just Riker there. Like, he can't fix that. Is that why? Is that why Jordy's there in the next scene? Did he call Jordy? Yeah. To help him fix that shuttle and give it a clean bill of health. It's been too long since performance reviews. He can't remember the name of any of the other <laughs> uh, engineers. So yeah, he this did is just like Jordy. last week. He just calls Jordy, and I think he probably assumes Jordy will put someone else on it. But then Jordy's probably like, "Ah, oh, first officer called. I better do this myself." And it happens every time. Not just first officer. My good friend Will. My good friend Will from somehow the hood. walks me into engineering situations and then leaves. <laughs> it's just like she leaves and it's just him there with the tool. And I'm like, he don't know what he's doing. There's no <laughs> way he finishes this shuttle repair. And sure enough, there's Jordy in the next scene going, ah, it's a clean bill of health, Commander. <laughs> <laughs> um, It's when Riker's confused that he looks most like our dad. And I saw it so much in this episode. Yeah. I saw our dad a hundred times in this episode. Honestly, he even kisses like our dad. I'm just going to say it. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) That's it for me. I'll leave it there. Leave it on that note for everyone.
Quick I okay. I think it's a bad start that the captain's log mentions that the Jedi are androgynous. Mm-hmm. I get that they have to set this up quickly for TV, but it sure makes it seem like they think that's weird or even just a big deal. Like it sets the stage against whatever message the episode could be trying to give. Yeah. And um, you're right that this is just so they can get the plot going, like, just as fast. Hey, so you're all caught up. Here's what's happening. It's like the time he was like, um, we went to this planet, and uh, Wesley went down there, and I think he's having a good time. Yeah, Wesley. And you're like, what the fuck? Why is, why is this Captain's Log all about Wesley? And it's like, oh, because Wesley's going to step on the grass, I think. <laughs> That's why Wesley's in the log. Um, This pronoun talk is a big third rail. If the Jedi only have one neutral pronoun, what's the universal translator doing that Soren is hearing as he? <laughs> I don't know. And Soren's like, uh, it's uh, probably there's no translation is my guess. You're like, well, I yeah. don't know about that. I think the translator will probably pick something. Yeah. Something like, pretty neutral. Unless, unless Soren is speaking English, this scene doesn't make sense in universe. It's only there for for the analogy or whatever mm-hmm. except it's not even an analogy like what's the analogy of what is this when you convert back to being a story about being gay is it like do you call him your boyfriend or your partner mm, yeah i don't you know even I mean? understand like, what, about your people uh what do you guys like that stuff i know but like <laughs> what do you like so tickle it what do you do <laughs> so you on the tickle? one hand it doesn't make sense in universe, and on the other hand, it's not an analogy for anything either. <laughs> Agreed. It's just a big third rail. I don't know why you're talking over butt tickle. I, just, I yes. feel like that's a question someone could have asked in 1992. I don't know. <laughs> so who you know? So like who uh, leads when you dance. So I heard you guys uh, a scissor. Oh, it's <laughs> women, and they don't do that. Ah. Oh. Uh, okay then. I thought you guys just kind of rammed your balls into each other. You know, I know it doesn't sound like that would feel good, but I, you know, you guys are different. I'm trying yeah, to be sensitive. I heard of something called docking. <laughs> it doesn't sound real to me. Sounds fake. That sounds like a fake one for sure. But you could tell me because I'm all ears. So I'm a sensitive man. Uh, Riker definitely had this split pea soup recipe programmed into the replicators. He sure didn't program it himself. Uh, yeah. Well, we've seen how he cooks. Cooked one yeah, egg. He didn't <laughs> claims that Soren's the real deal for him, but did not cook breakfast. No, didn't cook that one plain Oan egg or whatever. He probably doesn't cook anymore after only Worf liked his omelet, which yeah. was scrambled eggs. Which was scrambled eggs, but with no seasoning or anything, just one plain egg. <laughs> Fucking saw the shells fall into it too. So, <laughs> you know, um, they do a little blatant cinematography here. I sent you the screenshots, but during the conversation about mating, Riker and Soren are shoulder to shoulder. And then five seconds later, when the shuttle is out of control and you're looking through the windshield, you could fit a fighting bowl in between them. <laughs> There's not like a that. huge amount of space between the two of them. Not only that, the usual fun with perspective that they always play, where Riker's fucking one inch behind Picard <laughs> in one scene, and then they're far apart in the next one. But um, also, they had to do another one of those shuttles spinning out of control camera things that are yes. so bad this season. They look so much worse even than earlier seasons. 
It is wild. They're just shooting with a regular ass camera from outside the sh- the fake shuttle window, and then they just and like move the HD, camera around. In HD, you could tell there's no glass. That's right. It's totally just. You could tell they're just sitting in the shuttle frame. <laughs> so dumb. Honestly, very disappointed with the special effects on TNG right now. They haven't been good. Um. Now, after our uh, watch through. When I see this scene in the poker game where Worf is sounding off and Data and Troy and Crusher all turn on him about mm. his bad attitude about women, he's also remembering that moment where the crew roster was read out in Conundrum oh, and he yeah. came up right after Ben, the civilian bartender in the yeah. order. Yeah, he was and like just 980 like, or something. He runs his mouth and Data turns to him and says, what? What do you mean? <laughs> or I don't understand. And Worf's got to go like, oh, God. Nothing. Oh, he is my—he is one hundred percent my boss. All the three people here outrank me. <laughs> oh Fuck. my god, they all think I'm. Oh my, I've really put my foot in it here. The doctor and the not doctor both outrank me too. This yeah, isn't. I got good. cocky. I got cocky with nice legs for a human, and now <laughs> I'm in trouble. Uh, Soren really goes all in here because there's no reason she couldn't have been attracted to Riker and still had genderless feelings, gender neutral feelings. Hmm. Uh, so she didn't have to tell him about, the about female, them at all. She could have just said, I'm attracted to you. And that would have been, a, let's say, a less risky approach. Yeah. Although it seemed like as soon as the, they knew that those two were into each other, the the other ones knew it had to be a gender thing. And I don't know how they knew that. Yes. Again, there's from nothing that we've been told, is there any reason why Soren couldn't have just been like, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm into him. And then we, they had to be hanging like, out. Right, we don't have this rule on the books, but from now on, no aliens either. Because yeah. <laughs> they all got genders, I guess. So that's yeah. why. We're coming up with it now, so that's why we don't sound sure. But that's why the, that's why you can't date aliens. The Andorians yeah, they apparently all have four genders. Is that more or less evolved? <laughs> that's right. Yeah, does it flip back around on itself? Is that suddenly super evolved? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I just thinking about it. I don't understand how they knew by looking that that was a gender thing. What if she was just into aliens? I don't know. Um, because this isn't a data episode. When Picard wishes Riker good hunting, and Riker responds, "See you for dinner," Data just stares forward like a mannequin. <laughs> no snarky comments. Yep. Doesn't bust out the thesaurus. No, thank God. Thank God. Also in this episode about gender, and in some cases about the language of gender, Riker tells Enterprise, we're taking her in, and no one asks why the shuttle is a her. <laughs> that would be confusing. <laughs> uh, hold on, I have to ask you uh, one more question, Commander. Why is the ship... Uh, why, is she, why is the ship a woman? Are you sexually attracted to the ship? And then he has to finally admit, yes, a little bit. I am a little bit sexually I am, attracted I'm, to the ship. Uh, the Type 6 is not so much as the Type 7s, but yes, I am. <laughs> but it's that's Sometimes not, a Type 15. I'm not opposed to it. You know, I've, uh, you know, I've done it in one of these. <laughs> one of these shuttles. And uh, i got to admit, there's something about it. Hey, man, should I learn about plants? If an alien was like, oh, yeah, take me on a tour. I'd be like, oh, that big fucker, that's a redwood tree. <laughs> yeah, the wood's kind of red. Uh, yeah, I don't really know why they uh, These guys are Japanese maples. They're not from here. I don't know <laughs> the names of anything else. I'll let you know if we see, like, roses. 
That's right. I used to know a lot more of this stuff. I used to work at a garden center, and boy, let me tell you, for a summer, I knew all of these fucking things. I do not anymore. Uh, boy, hey, did you want to talk about something? I'm uh, I'm really I'm blowing this tour. Um. Yep, and again, the fact that Soren can't love Riker anymore because they no longer have female feelings. Same whoopsie. Yep. The show was trying and didn't get everything right. Um, so at the end of the day, it becomes a real heteronormative. Only a woman can love Riker. Riker can only love a woman. Yes. The whole thing's <laughs> just over as soon as that feeling goes away. Yeah. Sure. Once more, Matthew Riker has to tell Picard he's <laughs> lost a woman on the bridge. <laughs> in front of Data and everybody. Uh-huh. Though at least this time, Picard speaks first and encourages him to be oblique about it. So he pouts He's angrily. is like, mm-hmm. yep. yep. Like, when he came up with that look on his face, Picard was like, I'm, I have to talk first or he's going to just say, she's gone. I can't get her back. <laughs> she's gone. They did the treatment on her. And, uh, and uh, I went down, I went to the holodeck to try to recreate Soren. It seems like it's something that should be possible. We have a personnel record, but. It... And the holodeck said, I can, but I won't. I kept saying to the computer, too sultry. She's less sultry than that. And it, nothing would work. <laughs> uh, I give best actor to Crusher's face and worst actor to Crite or Noor, whichever one is in the brown velour jumpsuit. <laughs> These fucking aliens. <clears throat> All right. The winner last week was Deep Space Nine. Oh. It's going to have to beat a 44 this week. You think it's got oh, it in it? Damn. The math came out early on this one, DS9. Uh, no, I don't think so. It's called yeah, Ferengi yeah, yeah. Love no, Songs. No, it's not because this week we watched Ferengi Love Songs. <laughs> Quarks, the bar, is under attack uh, by Cardassian Voles. Yeah, you remember them? They're in. They're a throwaway thing in like one of the first episodes. Um, yeah, I teased them for you at the end of the last uh, podcast. Yeah, yeah. Quark is all bent out of shape about it because his life's so depressing and his business is bad. Rom comes to Quark's quarters and says he and Lita are getting married. Quark is too depressed to react to this, so Rom suggests. That Quark go back home and visit with Moogie because she'll make him feel better. And he does. I don't know why he listens to Rom just this one time, but he does. <laughs> Credits. Just in this one case and no others. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna it is perhaps, it Matthew, too. part of the central problem of this episode, which is it is a bad episode. And <laughs> that is nothing in problem. it makes a lot of sense when you think about it, and it's just it's just rough. It's just and rough. Also wasn't entertaining. Yes. Uh A plot. Oof. Quark tells his mom, hey, he's just going to stay with her till he's feeling better, I guess. I thought this was going to be like, is the episode going to be she wants him to leave? And doesn't <laughs> know how to tell him? But there's a reason she wants him to leave. Um, he goes to his old bedroom. And he finds the Grand Nagus, Zek, in his closet. He, at first he runs off scared. Because Zek says, you shouldn't be here. You've been, you're, you've been excommunicated or... Um, dishonored we all uh crossed our arms on our chest and turned our backs to you or whatever yeah, whatever they do accommodated or discommendated it's not clear <laughs> one one or both of those 
Uh, but then he's like, hey, wait a minute. Why was Nagus in my closet? So he goes back. Uh, Zek and Moogie tell him that they're banging it out on the regular. And they describe how they met. And then uh, Quark is sworn to secrecy. Quark tries to get Zek to restore his, again, fucking honor or whatever. Business license, I guess. It's his business license. His Ferengi business license. It just reminded me of Worf always trying to get his honor back. Um, yep. Except there's no one. <clears throat> listen, in this week, in this week's episode, a Ferengi is getting bad advice from a Starfleet person. It just doesn't happen to be Picard <laughs> standing there telling him, no, uh, now this is, is the, the time. time to get your honor back. And no, I will not let you have any records. It is very weird that I am coming to you now and saying this specific time is the time. But here we go. Like the one, this is not a TNG episode, but the one redeeming factor of Picard is that when someone says, do not tie my hands now, or uh, you're a racist against androids, he does <laughs> usually back down. He goes, oh, fuck this again. So you can directly call him on his shit if you need to. Yes. Uh, Brunt beams into Quark's closet now. That's the gag in this episode. Brunt wants Quark to poison uh, Zek and Moogie's relationship in exchange for uh, getting his business license back. So there you go. That's the plot. Um, I guess Brunt says it's uh, he's trying to protect Zek or something. Anyway, um, Quark pulls a Chief O'Brien from the B-plot. We'll talk about that later. Or Dax. And ruins Zek and Moogie's relationship <laughs> by making Zek think Moogie's trying to get his money. <clears throat> Quark comes back home, and Moogie's crying because Zek has left her. Quark calls Brunt, who asks for no evidence that this thing has ended, but <laughs> says Quark has his license back for starting right now, thanks to breaking the two of them up. <clears throat> now, for some reason, Zek wants Quark to be his personal financial assistant. Yeah. I mean, he literally said he was a major crook, like, two scenes ago. <laughs> he did. But now he wants him to help him run the whole fucking economy, which I guess is also the whole planet. Again, they never really explain whether the Negus runs all of Ranganar or just the economy, but it's, it seems assumed it's both. Um, anyway, Zek's losing his mind, and you can tell because he forgot his password. You know what that, if you forget your password, that means you've got Alzheimer's or something. <clears throat> He also forgets some other stuff, and he can't do arithmetic. Anyway, he's like a thousand. <clears throat> Quark and his mom talk about Zek losing it, and she says she's been helping him run this whole shit this whole time. And Quark basically admits to breaking them up. Brunt comes to see Quark, and he tells him, uh, the exchange's gonna remain closed, because we're gonna... The FCA board or whatever, we're gonna grill the Nagus... Um, and Brunt admits this was all a scheme to expose the Nagus and I guess replace him with himself because he does yeah. sit on the chair and call himself he Grand sashays Nagus. up to the throne very Wayun like <laughs> he's more Brunt is more of a Wayun than a Shran oh yeah he's yeah, in yeah. between but he's more of a Wayun he's Wei definitely closer to Wayun um oh he played another guy too uh balls. this guy shows up so much um Quark admits to his mother that he's uh, developed a conscience, thanks to fucking Starfleet, so he feels bad about what has happened, and the, the economy's tanking and everything, and he doesn't want Brunt to be in charge, so he and his mom sit down to think of a great plan to stop Brunt, 
Uh, that plan is just to tell him to say smart stuff to the board. Yeah. Uh, this has happened a number of times recently where you're like, ah, oh, and then they come up with a cool plan, and then the plan's just like... In fact, this happened in the last Quark episode with the weapons dealer guy. You're like, oh, Quark's got a cool scheme, and then the other guy, what was his name, his cousin, Gala, yeah. is like, uh, what if they run into each other? And he's like, ah, don't worry about that. And then that's the plan. The plan is that they're going to run into each other. Anyway. Yeah. So anyway, he says lots of smart stuff to the board, and they're all celebrating. We're told. We're told. We do not get to see any of it. Wait, it's fine. I don't really want to. No, it would have been very dumb. It would have been lots of two, tulip berries, this, and two grabs that, <laughs> etc. Right. There was already some of it in this episode. Uh, then Quark says, well, all that smart stuff came from my own advisor, my Moogie, who is then brought in. And um, Moogie tells Zach that she can... That he can have her nasty old body, and Zek caves and takes her back. And I, so I guess we win, we win at home? We win. <laughs> and Brunt comes to Quark's closet again with a lot of threats, so I guess we know that dude's going to be doing double duty for a long time as Brunt and Wayun. And then Quark plays with his action figures, and the episode ends, except there's a B-plot. Like I said, Rom and Lita are getting married. Rom's prepping for a Bajoran wedding. He's got the earring on and all that. But he's thrown off because Dax and Chief O'Brien's racism is an overdrive. Yes. Talking all about how he's not a traditional Ferengi and he's basically not even a Ferengi at all and how he's Don Lemon, they say. <laughs> and he gets a crazy look in his eye and the scene changes. Which, no, by the way, neither of them notice. No. <laughs> Even and though no, I, I was waiting for the moment when Chief O'Brien realized he had given Rom bad advice, and it <laughs> never, never comes. Came. Never. Happens. He's he's feels very triumphant at the end. I mean, when I saw the look on his face, I was guessing he was going to try to murder her, like he used to do yeah. in the old days when he was a murderer. Yeah, like he would Quark. Like he would try to kill Quark. Later, he tells O'Brien he needs to leave early because he's got to get Lita to sign a prenup. I guess he has to do that on work hours. I don't know why. Yeah, that is weird. Lita does not want to do this. Rom snaps and says she's just like his first wife, Esmeralda or Concertina or whatever her name was. It did. No one said it in this episode, and I was not <laughs> looking it up in old notes. <laughs> Neither was I. Anyway, always trying to get his good, good profits. Um, they both call off the marriage, and in this week's Little League, Cisco and Worf and Odo are. F- um, they're arguing about something General Martok did off screen, but then Worf leaves to go take care of that, and Cisco and Odo uh, catch Rom crying on the promenade yeah. about his dumb marriage. Yeah. And then Lita and Kira are hanging out. They hang out now. That's <laughs> this is what it seems. Do you remember when Lita was temporarily Dax's best friend? Mm-hmm. She was a trill well, not no more. She'd been reading up about trills just for kicks. Yeah. Uh, Lita's complaining about Rom, but Kira knows. Lita really loves him. This is the real B-plot. This is why I'm happy when DS9 doesn't do a (laughs) B-plot. O'Brien goes to see Rom and talk him into getting married again. Uh, Maybe like... um, Maybe he's like, if there was was an android we could get to take care of this for us. (laughs) To go and talk to her. His day? We could learn all about his day. But on the way, on his journey... He would fix your wedding the way he fixed mine, perhaps. Um, uh, Rom goes down to Lita's J- Jumja stick stand 
I, I didn't remember that she did that. She she didn't. She only does it now because the uh, bar is closed because of the voles. <sighs> okay. I thought it was because she doesn't do under boob anymore. Oh, I mean, that could be too. Uh, Rom says, well, cool. We don't have to, like, trust each other or be nice because I gave all my latinum away to the Bajoran War Orphans Fund. So now there is no profit for me to be worried about. And everyone is happy. Did you enjoy when he told Lita that her wife kissed him on the cheek on the way in? Her wife? Uh, It's from the Too Small Slice episode uh, (laughs) sketch. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, that's right. If you had used a big enough slice. He does does say Major Kira kissed him. (laughs) Your your wife wouldn't have kissed me. (laughs) Uh, Yes, exactly correct. Um, Anyway, everyone's happy with the way this worked out. And that's the end of that plot. And thank God. So, hey, man. What was this DS9 all about? Please, bonus points if you can combine the two plots. So I'm going to start this um, with the word is, and I want hmm. I want you to think whether that's good or bad. Maybe you just got is it. The... Maybe you've messed up the sentence structure, and maybe it's yeah, still could declarative. Be. It's still declarative. Could be, could be. Is the lesson of this episode supposed to be, don't take relationship advice from a man who openly despises his wife, <laughs> to the point that when the station commander saw her jump to her death, he yes. still hauled the man in for questioning. <laughs> It's like, I don't know how you fucking did this, Chief, but you've gone too far. <laughs> because that's not a lot. But what else could it be? Is there a lesson in the A plot at all? Don't get involved with schemers and snakes? Mm. Yeah. Like, do, do we need to be told not to get involved with Brunt? Uh, sure, yeah. Well, you know... Some of this episode is about what is a real Ferengi. It's something that apparently both Rom and Quark are worried about. So yeah. his him trying to be a real Ferengi leads him to do some bad things, just like it does for Rom. I just connected them twice because my other way connects them as well. Oh, shit. Oh, well, fuck. I gave it a one, but now I feel like I need to withhold judgment until you give yours. All right, because yeah, I just, on the fly, I connected the two plots, but check out this one. Love isn't for the thin-skinned. Zack and Rom fall for the same shit. Somebody is like, these females out here trying to get your strips and slips, and they both panic, and we get two shitty plots out of it. So, like, I guess you gotta not listen to rumors and insults and innuendo if you want your relationship to last. But what if you and the crew used to do her? I know. (laughs) That's supposed to blow everyone's mind when he says that. Um, that's cool. Is there anyone who doesn't is that think the take? That? Sometimes trust a big butt and a smile. <laughs> is, there, is there somebody who doesn't think that that you shouldn't just listen to people talking shit about about your girlfriend or whatever? Someone who's like, actually, those people are just looking out for you. Yeah. Uh, so I had given it a three, but now I connected it again because, like, both of them are trying to be like the ideal version of what society has asked them to be. And it's making them do some fucked up shit because they're not being true to themselves, buddy. Rom's like, oh, I'm not a real Ferengi? Check this shit out. And then he does something inadvisable. And Quark the whole time is like, 
these fucking humans getting in my head with their conscience and shit. I gotta be, I gotta have less conscience, even than I've shown so far. <laughs> gotta have less conscience than that. And so he does some shit that turns out to be a bad news situation. So, man, shit, man. Fuck. Am I gonna so have to the really bump take of this episode, and I think you've convinced me, is don't try to live up to a stereotype. Yeah. But then I say again, is there anyone who's on the other side of that? Is there anyone I mean, who's yeah, like... Yeah, there are. It's the culture war idiots. Oh, okay. Well, then there you go. Look, I just gave it ten points. Fuck, fucking, you're five. welcome. You're fucking welcome. God damn it. I'm giving it five, too. That's ten. Yeah. Hell yeah. Damn. Hell yeah. Damn. Fucking cr- I cracked the case on this one, found the nug, and all that. Probably a five for execution, too, right? I know. I gotta think about it. <laughs> <laughs> Do we need to take a break? I mean, hold on. I mean, here's what I had written. These really were two Ferengi love stories, and that is disappointingly on the nose. I don't care much about Moogie and Zek, and although there is a threat to the Ferengi economy and the possibility of a known baddie, Brunt, being put in charge. Yeah, but Dukat's running the Cardassian Empire. Brunt could run Ferenginar for a while. This thing had filler written all over it. And that's before the even shittier B-plot in which two Starfleet officers shout racisms all over the replomat and ruin a couple's marriage. Yeah. Um. But other part about these two being like it gotta be the idealized image of Ferengi manhood I'm, I'm scratching my head over here I had too many beers squee <laughs> why didn't you stop me you knew I had to think tonight I'm sorry man I didn't know you'd be boofing them <laughs> One of the buddies was Boof, wasn't he? Or is that what I they called it? I was what they called uh, butt-chugging him. <laughs> Which everybody did. That was a job interview. <laughs> that guy is making law. I know, it's just that we live in an amazing time. Um, I'll talk about it in characterization, but Quark's mom has really wilted. She was like, um... Well, she was dressed the whole time. <laughs> That's not what I meant, but she was like a formidable woman the last time we saw her, and this time she seemed just really um, susceptible to Quark's weird schemes. Yeah, I didn't notice her getting havened in that last one. Yeah, she seemed like she was kind of on the ball before, and this time she's kind of like a... Well, she's getting older, too. I guess. It's not just Zack. Uh, it's always nice to see Zek, by the way. Not because his character is or uh, does anything, but because Wally Sean is very fun and he's having fun. And he fucking lets go 100% at Zek. Yeah, he goes for it. Um, he's got a thing that he has in mind for Zek, and he does that thing super hard, and I always he's like got that. 25 pounds of facial appliance on, and <laughs> he takes still... 14 hours to put that on. <laughs> shines right through that shit. Oh, shit, I gotta give it a five again. God damn it. Because <laughs> I didn't like it, and I thought it was bad, but also, if you think of, from a certain point of view... <laughs> ben, from a certain point of view... I'm I... not sure I can... I'm not sure I can follow you here. Jesus. Uh, I wrote, um, not the best episode of DS9 <laughs> so far. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. They make Quark go home to Sulk for no real good reason. 
to a woman he doesn't get along with, he tells his mom the voles are a symbol. Ah, yes. He's come home about everything. He has become a character in an existentialist novel. Yes. There he cooks up a scheme with Brunt, a man who has attempted to manipulate him into killing himself, <laughs> and is surprised <laughs> that, that the scheme is also motive. not what it seems. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then they couldn't figure out a way to save Zex Bacon, so they just told us they did it. That's right. Meanwhile, over in the B-plot, no one notices that Rom took the not-a-typical-Ferengi-male line in a crazy bad way and is torpedoing his relationship, and everyone thinks it's a pretty good solution that he gave away all the money he has. <laughs> it's In the first scene when they do that to him, he gives a Mr. Met look. It would be is. impossible to miss in real life. In real life, it even is. if you didn't want to take the hit for it and be like, I fucked up after it, you'd be like, did you see the look on his fucking face? I mean, I feel like you, you'd see it within a half a second. and You'd be like, well, hang on. You know that, first of all, you know that I admire you. And I'm <laughs> saying right. that you're not getting caught up in stereotypes. It's that, like you would be walking it back within a second <laughs> if, of having said that not chief o'brien o'brien high five dude they fucking high yeah. five and they go yeah, well, and he they, left and we didn't see it but you know they looked at each other and said you yeah, know we gave some really good advice today we did it again that's why we're the that's why we're the dynamic duo on this station that's all the dax o'brien plots out there now come with me uh i've been asked to uh i've been asked to uh give a little presentation on uh gold Ducat's strategic thinking and uh <laughs> We've been asked to something uh, prepare something for that, so, yeah. Um, this is a very dumb episode that's pitched way too cartoony, and I don't think it had anything to say, but now I have to think about that. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I was prepared to really give this a bad score. I had it at a zero. I will go as high as a two. Okay. Still, it's making up some ground here. You know who's going to be real mad about this Voyager when they find out what you've done? <laughs> you for fucking real. You never come up with a half-baked plot idea for us. A, a plot explanation for us. World building. Yeah. Cardassian voles are still an issue. Marauder okay. Mo action figures. Great. One of the Bajoran prophets is Jimmy Buffett, I guess. Uh-huh. Uh... Ferengi prenups, Ferengi politics, the Bajoran war orphans fund. It's a four for world building. Okay. This thing's racking up points. Uh, yeah. Rule of acquisitions 208, 94, 229, and probably others that I didn't write down. Tongo tournaments are sex segregated as well. The it's weird that they even let the women play in them. Yeah, they gotta stay down in the naked room, I guess. Yeah. The Ferengi are taking over all Bolian gaming emporiums. Grand Nagus Smeet was assassinated. That's weird, right? Because the Bolians are in the Federation, aren't they? They are, but I don't know how any of it works, so... <clears throat> are they paying... Also, the, they got bathroom Are they issues. paying the Ferengi in self-improvement credits, or...? <laughs> um, Tulaberries, I think. <laughs> Didn't he say Tulaberries. <laughs> Grand Negus Smeet, who was assassinated for doing just such a bad job with the economy. Um, yeah, I had it as a three. Uh-oh. Characterization about to get a bunch more points too. <laughs> Probably. Uh, Rom is fragile and shitty. Also, instead of just saying, "What's mine is yours," Delita, he has to give all his money away instead. So that doesn't really address any personal issues they have. He's like, no. 
What about profit he earns going forward? I mean, he works for Starfleet now, so I don't know how. It's but... just the self-improvement credits from now on, I think. Yeah, I guess that's not I real I think they made the Bajorans switch over to that system. Also, they weirdly made them go back to their Dejaras, which I don't think they should be allowed to do. Do you think among <laughs> do you think among the Ferengi Federation credits are considered a shit coin? <laughs> yes, 100%. <laughs> okay. Yeah, the um, thing about the Dejaras was messed up. Yeah, they shouldn't have done that. Um... Dax and O'Brien suck and are racists. Uh, Quark is gloomy about his bad business prospects. He agrees to ruin his mom's relationship to get his license back. Then he says he's developed a conscience thanks to the humans, and uh, he fixes what he broke, I guess. Um, Moogie loves the leader of the world that oppresses her constantly. She used to be formidable, but in this episode she seems kind of weak and vulnerable to Quark's schemes. New actress, new character, I guess. Um... Anyway, she's the power behind the throne now. So, Quark literally says that. Um, Zek loves this maverick female, but then hates her after hearing a couple of rumors. But he's also lost his damn mind, so... I don't know. Maybe he gets it fixed. Well, I mean, they the set end, an appointment with they that say Vulcan he's doctor. see a Vulcan memory doctor. We'll have to see if in the next episode he's still nuts. You're just going to diagnose him with Bandai Syndrome, and then Bashir will have to get involved. <laughs> Lita loves Rom, but doesn't want a prenup. I don't know what else we get out of her. So, is the new, is the new revel, let's call it a revelation, because that's what it was. Does that have anything to do with characterization that would give them more points than I gave them? Um... No, because they both fall, they both do the bad things. They're full of bad things. I gave it a two. All right. <clears throat> uh, at the end, Quark claims that his conscience has been a long time coming. He doesn't, however, mention anything about his recent arms dealing, <clears throat> and he sure spends the whole episode acting like he doesn't have a conscience. Right. Uh, Ram and Lita have apparently covered a lot of potentially very interesting ground off off screen since, you know, the last time we saw them when he couldn't ask her out. Yeah, because they're, they're getting, getting married. married now. <laughs> it's quick. But it seems like they're pretty far apart on the basics and they probably shouldn't be getting married at all. Mm-hmm. But come on, Dax and O'Brien. You give such terrible advice and then fuck off into the background. Also, you're both racists. Yep. Uh, it's a one. It's a one <laughs> for me. <laughs> well, then quick ones. Let them commence. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, how many weeks since Rom was afraid to ask Lita out and she almost ran off with nasty old Zimmerman? Yeah, what B-plot, what were they trying to soften in the A-plot with that B-plot? Was that, that was, uh, oh, that was the one where Bashir had all the secrets. Um, yeah, yeah, it was, no, it was four weeks ago. It was Dr. Bashir, I presume, in week 112. One, so one month since he asked her out. Yeah, yes. Uh, so you see, Mom. Due to a construct in my mind that makes these voles <laughs> symbolic of my entire existence. It becomes important to me. Yeah. <laughs> to get up and Just like, see. Yeah. Have you ever been fucking bummed out about something and someone said, hey, what's up? And you're like, it's fucking the, th- the thing, the, the 6.30 a.m. meeting I have tomorrow is a symbol. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I haven't. No, I haven't said yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no one has. Do I like all of Quark's outfits because he basically dresses like a dirty, dirty hobbit? 
I mean, he does. We've also There's talked a lot about of their mariachi jackets that they wear. Yeah. But yeah, he definitely waistcuts it underneath. Uh, O'Brien doesn't even realize he's ruining marriages left and right out here. Like, we don't know for sure why we haven't seen Shakar in a while, and it seems like things are no longer on for them, but <laughs> is it not because he's really embarrassed about that doorway pushy-pushy he had with O'Brien? <laughs> we can never go back. He's always been tending to go back, and then that pops into his head, and he has a convenient excuse for why he can't go to the station this week. Um, I, I lit up. Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say also it's pronounced Hobbin. Not Hobbit. Just so oh, yeah, sorry. So you're up on all the Lord of the Rings stuff. Uh, well, I lit up Wayun last week for saying uh, progenitor. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, I had this in my notes. Um, but this week, Quirk says business acumen. You business acumen. <laughs> like acumen. Acumen. Uh, the spice. <laughs> yeah, it was a um, as well. <clears throat> The Ferengi were introduced something like 10 real world years ago at the time this episode was filmed. Mm-hmm. And this is the, f- I'm pretty sure this is the first time we've seen their rad club handshake that he and Brunt do. Yeah. Where they do that chest beat back of hand thing. That was pretty great. They should, yeah, yeah they should have filled them out a little more instead of just going, but what if, um, you know, I don't like the Jews. <laughs> let's, um, let's just do something about that. Take them down a peg. It's me, Gene. <laughs> um, also something very relevant here in 2022. <laughs> uh, just in case you were wondering why I initially gave this episode zero points, we have a cool fake suicide threat from Quark, followed by absolute prank music on the way out. Yeah. Yeah. The writers definitely want you to know that he's just a, he's just a fun schemer, you know? Yeah. Just like a little troll. Not a lot left to say. Worf, Cisco, Odo all got their little league inning in, and Bashir later shows up in this one too. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't have guessed Lita and Kira even knew each other, but this week they're besties. So odd. I gave best actor to uh, Brunt and worst actor to Lita. I'm sorry, Chase. I defended you last time, but this one ain't ain't it. This one wasn't it. It must have been tough for you to give it to Brunt over Zek. I know there were two candidates in this. Yeah, basically. I mean, my hairdo's not bad either. Tiny Ron <laughs> gives a couple of weird looks. Yes, in his, uh, his silent performance, there is some nuance. It's true. What about well, you, my man? My quick hitters are pretty lame now. It's just Wally Sean really does great work as Zach and LOL, your business a human. Man, nobody's <laughs> stopping these actors and going, ah, uh, actually, that's not, that's not how that's pronounced. Well, they're all they're all worried about Shatner popping up to say, you say acumen, I say acumen. Acumen. <laughs> yeah, that's it, man. Get out of this one quick because it wasn't good, but God, I'm afraid it got points now. Oh, it did. It um, it did actually pass Voyager. Well, oh, fuck. Sorry, Voyager. Um, I didn't mean. I didn't do it on purpose because you're Voyager. Yeah, last week, uh, this week was Voyager with relativity uh, scored twenty four points in an episode that we both were surprised we weren't mad about. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Got nine for execution and nine for characterization. Uh, 
but only 24 total, which puts it behind Deep Space Nine for Angie Love Songs. Yeah. 27 total points. I mean, look, I'll just, look, I think I initially gave it like a nine or something. Yeah, and I had it at a five, so. Yeah, I talked myself up six and you talked yourself up seven. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So 13 of those <laughs> points. It was. It should have lost by ten. It would have lost by ten if you hadn't come up with that on the fly. I'll just say it was an episode worthy of losing by ten. But yeah. Oh well. But the winner this week with forty-four points. That's a big the one. Last time we had anything up in the forties. Yeah, look at that premise score, buddy. Redemption two scored exactly forty, and Redemption <laughs> one. We get we score sixteen on premise. That's just we had a forty-three from the drumhead, but that's even a point less. Yeah. Yeah, the Outcast. Last episode to beat the Outcast was Reunion, which scored forty-seven. There you go, man. That was a big one. So, big win from the Next Generation gets back. Uh, gets back up to nine over Deep Space Nine. Has forty-eight total wins now. I'll just say its premise got sixteen, the highest ever seventeen. So that's how you get points, buddy. So let me let's just take a quick look voyager's last episode is 168 so i misspoke it has 52 episodes to go okay the next generation has 45 more wins so we are Mm, within seven we're seven episodes away from voyager potentially being mathematically eliminated from winning yes the magic number keeps dropping for them the bad one yeah so it's uh it's rough now, but uh, yeah. So forty-eight okay, for the next because generation. I saw what's next week, nine. and I just I know they're going to get a win next week for sure. Well, <clears throat> um, I mean we're deep in. I don't know what these Voyager episodes are, but the next time we get together, we are going to watch for TNG cause and effect. Thank God, I'm going to have so much to say about Riker and Data and everybody. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll see if you think Riker is doing his normal thing of throwing out a bad plan, but this time... I mean, the first time I came up with the plan, I, this the image of that popped into my head. Okay. <laughs> uh, we've got a Martok-themed episode coming up next for Deep Space Nine, Soldiers of the Empire. Could be good. Get away from some of those other assholes on the, sh- on the station. Could be, but who loves Super Klingon Wharf? Not me. Yeah, I know. And uh, for Voyager, I'm going to have the pleasure of describing the episode warhead good you do it you fucking do it you can do all of them if you want you want to do all the voyagers i'll let you i do not want (laughs) uh yeah so that's you know the next star trek one we do we'll probably do a mailbag hey have we got a bracket yet i don't think so right we have not okay i don't think we have much mail yet either so Sounds probably a mailbag. Um, Twitter's still working. I don't know. Everybody freaked out. Everyone was like, Twitter's going to shut down fucking tonight. And everybody was signing off of Twitter. And then it's just still going along. So we still got to do the mailbag. Send us a tasty tweet at Brother Date on Twitter. Uh, you can send us some mail. That's uh, brothers of brotherdate.com. You can go to brotherdate.com and check out all the other uh, brackets. <clears throat> Landrew, all the sh- all the shit that's up there. Uh, do the podcatcher thing. Yeah. I think that's... Um, Try to catch... Uh... <laughs> Boy. 
as you believe, well, so no, shall wait, you believe, well, I'm pretty sure there's a Pokemon that's some kind of, so maybe like a pee in a pod. Some kind of oh, pod, yeah, I'm sure. Pod come on, some kind of pod, pod Pokemon. You can catch him. And there you go. That's the, what podcatcher means. And uh, yeah, now we can say the thing. Metapod. There's a, you probably want a bug Pokemon called Metapod. There you go. See? I fucking Metapod knew catcher. There's yeah. so many fucking Pokemons that there's just one for everything. So I knew there had to be one. I'm playing Pokemon now. Yeah. All right. Oh, and, and uh, it's basically yeah. midnight, so happy birthday. It's my birthday, everybody, to whenever this airs. it's um, Just assume whenever you listen to this, it's my birthday. Yeah, send and him then stuff. Think about it, and, yeah, and send me a box of that, whatever it is. As you believe. So shall you do, so shall you do. As you believe, so shall, so shall you, you do. do. trust and then you know once again what happened <laughs> Sorry. it's right again baby grand just starts playing in the background <laughs> <laughs> please subscribe